I better open the agenda again. I looked at it once. Hey. Yeah, well, you looked at it to tell me to take something out. I gave you feedback. You asked for feedback, right? I did, yeah. I always want feedback. I mean, it's not my podcast. It's our podcast. Exactly. Yeah, it looks great. Okay. We're going to do stuff with things. So we're going to do do mortars before the half? Yeah, I don't think our hobby is going to take up a... Situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. Welcome to another episode of Snafu. Uh, This is episode 71. I wrote 72 in the thing. Sorry, guys going to confuse you all. <laughs> Rick's, Rick's podcasting in the future. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm back to the future in this shit. Uh, Thanks for episode, coming back to do 71 with us, Rick. Right? I, I try. I, am I not like contractually obligated still? Since you've already done 72, of course. Yeah, yeah, fairly. Yeah. We're, we're big into continuity. I'll mess it up. If, if, the only person that's going to see this is Pat, so sorry, Pat. I screwed it up. Yeah. You'll see two 72s <laughs> at some point. My bad. The title will still work. Yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to seventy-one, your to episode. I think this is an episode that a lot of people are waiting for, or we're asking questions at, about. At least two or three, so the rest of you get just to piggyback with that. I mean, I certainly I, needed to time out. Is that what we're talking about? Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> we're talking about discipline and bolt action, <laughs> which is part of being a tournament organizer, I suppose. There is, uh, yeah. It's a little bit of, hopefully there isn't, but there sometimes is. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we've been getting this question a lot. And I feel mm-hmm. like... Or forms thereof. Yeah, over the years, not necessarily yep. like in the last six months, but like since the beginning of this, we've gotten questions about it. So uh, so we're, we're going to give you lots of stuff. We're going to talk about mortars, because we talked about snipers last week. And we kind of bled some mortars in there, so we'll we'll finish that, that uh, vein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, we'll talk hobby and other stuff. All right, we're going to start with hobby. So let's start with hobby. Uh, I, oh, shit, I'm first on the list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ask Rick uh, how you're doing. Yeah, Rick, what us, have you been doing for yeah, hobby? Tell us what's been going on. Uh, so I based my whole mo- my whole army, uh, which was a little bit of a challenge, because I wanted it to match the the uh, display board thing that I have, the, the neoprene mat that I have for my movement tray. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. Mo- movement tray or display board? Both, right? And by kind movement, you don't mean movement on the on the game. No, table. no, no. Like moving it between tables. Yeah, display board. Yeah, I hear movement tray and I yeah, flash yeah. back to Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the square base or the big yeah. rectangle things and yeah, and unit rank fillers. and file and yeah. I have three ranks and I'm flanking you. Yes. So you have no flanks. Oh, okay. Yep. That was a that was that was a good game. I had a lot of cool stuff. I wish it was a thing still. As, as, as many people as, as ask us to do an episode about TOs, there's just as many people thinking us for not all of a sudden switching into a, a game <laughs> podcast of a different game. So <laughs> let's, let's not do that. I'm just reminiscing. We could, we could, we could reference and yeah. Well, yeah. we tangent well enough. So Everyone knows our background. We know where they know where we're from. So just 
fondly remembering the good old days. Uh, so yeah, so I did that. Um, I made my my box to move my stuff over the sea in. That was a fun that's, one. That's really slick, man. That I I that might start so selling them. Than mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was, actually, I was thinking about it, and, and my 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 poses are a little more dynamic. They're not as cylindrical as yours are. Right. You might you you might have had to like so okay so what I did is I I bought upholstery foam uh, pretty the denser the better you want like charcoal foam but you want it to be dense so that when you buy the upholstery hole cutter off of Amazon for like I don't know it's like fifteen bucks it's relatively inexpensive and you put it in your power drill and you can just drill through the hole like a drill a hole into the foam and it just cuts it like butter and you just pull the plug out and you have a hole like it's uh, it's really slick. So anyway, I made a... It's like a 9 by 12 box, and I got like 50 dudes in there. It's pretty great. Nice. Yeah. It's going to hold them really well. It's they're, they're snug as a bug in there. A little, Almost a little too snug. I'm, uh, I'm a little worried because I've been transporting them and I haven't hard-coded them yet because it's Minnesota and there hasn't been a day that we can uh, hard-code yet. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. So I haven't been able to put a... I, I want to clear-code them, but... I'm, I'm don't want to clear coat them two days before we leave and then have them all fog. You know, you so, can just brush. There's a brush on. I just say have airbrush stuff. I wonder if that's okay to use in hum- higher humidity. So what I've done is yeah, I mean, you want to be careful. You run through your airbrush. But well, I mean, I, I got yeah, the Minotaur. I mean, yeah, clean it out, guys. It's not that bad, but wow. it's still aerosoling it, I guess. But right. Well, the, yeah, I mean, but the good stuff, the good. The good protective coat um, is probably not going to go through your airbrush. Oh no no so. no no! No, I'm not going to be able to get hard coat from right. testers and put it through there. Mm-hmm. No, but I have the Minotaur satin satin uh, varnish, whatever okay. they, call, they call it. I've I've never used it. It just came in the kit that or the set that I bought, so mm-hmm. I haven't tried it. But I, funny enough, I painted my army, and as I painted my army, I painted like another. 20 some dudes at the same time mm-hmm. so I have a bunch of extra dudes just in case I need them um, for like other events yeah essentially I just painted a bunch of extra guys like and for a while I thought I had five units of something and it turns out I only had four of them <laughs> which I was like oh okay that changes things a little bit okay mm-hmm. um, but anyway uh, so I did that and that's about all the hobbying mm-hmm. I got done I got to play games we've been playing games on Thursdays which has felt good you got mm-hmm. some games in Nice. Yep, I've gotten. Yeah, I've gotten two three games now. Three. Yeah, the one tie and one loss to you, Pat. Yeah, take it. And running. Right. Yeah, we'll keep going until uh, we have games next weekend. Correct. That's next yeah. weekend already. Yeah, we're yeah. doing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we we got lots of things going on. Uh, I had custom pin markers made. I'm getting like all sorts of geared up. I bought extra USA shirts. Uh, what else I got? I mean, so when I pit out my uh, my uniform the first day, I'll have an extra one for the second day. Yep. <laughs> That's and uh, your, your second day opponents, and I thank you. Yeah, yeah, pro move on my part in getting a second shirt, just in case. Or you spill dinner on it or whatever, you know, all sorts of stuff happens. Well, that's what you get your beard for. <laughs> it usually does catch things. <laughs> usually does catch things. That's true. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, how about you, Pat? What are you working on? Uh, I have finished my WTC army, so that's pretty exciting i uh, haven't had well, as we record we're 17 17 days out i think sounds about right so okay, we might uh, need to book a train ticket here yeah well, that's the one thing left to do yeah uh, so i haven't had this much time before a tournament to, 
have my army done, which is weird. So I started working on the board for Operation Snafu, for the nice. greatest greatest skateboard. Started putting together some of those Sarissa kits, um, put them together correctly this time. <laughs> and then I had a small disaster in my house, which now my hobby room has become a storage room, so I don't have any space to start laying out a board until things start to get back to normal down here, which won't be until probably June, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're ripping walls out and stuff. That's not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just say when, when dishwashers go bad, they go bad, and they don't tell anyone until it's way too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, like, they rob banks and <laughs> get tattoos, and well, I mean, then, then it's too late. The last thing you do in the, before I go to bed is to fill up the dishwasher, run it, go to bed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention at yep. night. And so mm-hmm. it did slip through the floor, through the walls, into the basement. Oh, gosh. Took out a lot of stuff. So. Oof-da. What homeowner insurance is for? Uh, yeah, well, the jester came out and said that magic word, we're extending coverage. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, right now I don't even have a kitchen, so it's lots of takeout and uh, receipt saving. So, yeah, yeah, fun. I'm just practicing for when I'm overseas eating out all the time anyway. Just You got an Irish <laughs> joint down the street that's just feeding you bad Actually, Rubens. we do have an Irish pub. You actually do have one by you. I don't know if it's yeah. good, though. I don't I have no idea. I don't remember what the name of it is. Is that the one way down over across from Sawadee and uh, Maple Grove? It's down. In, it's down in the main street uh, near the library in Maple Grove. If you're familiar with the small city, um, so I, I, may, I may be thinking of a different one. This one's over yeah, by I'd Buka. Anyways, uh, yes, yeah, it's down the road from Buka. Yes, that's a that's a good place. Okay, well, I'll have to go check it out. It's right across from Sawadee, at least the Sawadee that's there, is, which is, is a great. Is time that place. the one? Is that Clada? Could be Main Street Ma- Maple Grove. Yeah, I've been to Claw. Yep. Actually, it's great. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. All right. We'll everyone. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, it's permanently closed. I will not do that tomorrow. I haven't been there yeah. in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> that was quite the the story arc there. We're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That place. Oh shit, it's closed. Well, never mind. Okay. Well, so there goes that. It's nobody ate there. That's a problem. Okay. Anyway. Could have been. So, um, yeah. What else? What else? Hobby wise, is it working on? something that slips my mind so obviously is really important so well you got replacement models for 3d printed stuff that you had yep which just looks you based them and everything looks great you know if i if uh if i had had a resin print of that model i would have taken that and then the metal dudes and put them in there because <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the model on the metal model itself is kind of like meh. Oh. but my 3d print you could see the layers and stuff on it so i didn't like that yeah, I, I have a difficult time with some of the Warlord metal models because it's like stuff doesn't quite fit oh, the way it's supposed to. You've you got to glue stuff most of them. Yeah. I mean, well, you got to shave stuff down. I've had to like shave parts of it off because it doesn't actually fit the way they intended to, but yeah, weird stuff like that. Their, their uh, explosion diagrams are kind of like, really? Okay, that doesn't make any sense at all, but all right. Right. I mean, they eventually go together because you put enough glue and time into it and then they're done. So. That usually works. Yep. I, I get I get exhausted, and I just use accelerator because I can't wait that long. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any accelerator, and I found that that actually makes it more brittle long term. It does. Oh, for sure does. I, I end up gluing shit back together multiple times yeah. when I use accelerator, but it doesn't take as long in the moment, Pat. Well, there is that. <laughs> long term consequences for short term gains. That's the American way, right? 
And I'm probably getting cancer from it or some shit, too, because that stuff stinks like hell. Uh, only in California. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. I'm not in California. I'm good then. Okay. Right, yeah. So you're not in California, so you're fine. Although I have, I have gotten super glue on my finger and used it. Don't do that. Holy hell, it hurts. It, yes. it, like, it, it, it's, it gets hot. It yes. burns the shit out of your hand. It's yes. not great. That is very painful. Uh, not a fun that. experience. <laughs> Don't do that. So hobby, then, hobby tip of the week. And then I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the whatever the next project is. So I think it's going to be a lot of work into this board. Um, I got some of the, it's supposed to be like the barbed wire fence from Sarissa. And sure. um, you can download this, that basically you're supposed to print it on like a clear sheet of plastic or whatever, like, you know, like that, like overhead, overhead transparency, yeah, you know, yeah, those things. Yep. You're supposed that to be able to print them on these. Uh, the, the paper does, because it okay. has other uses. I don't remember what they are off the top of my head, but. <laughs> uh, so you're supposed to be able to download that and print it, and I didn't do it at the time of purchase, because I didn't think of it or whatever. I was too busy realizing how much I was spending, and it was probably only half of what I needed. And so I went to try and just download that, and check out with the zero dollar amount, and it just it just hung up. It didn't know what to do with that, so I guess I'll have to wait till I make another order to download that part and print them out. So I don't know. Even mm. Warlord can handle a zero purchase checkout. So yeah. Oh well. Well, that's how you get the FAQ, and then they forever <coughs> update you. Yeah, that's the worst. Ex- Never mind. <laughs> not, not, not my favorite. That's for ever. another podcast. Yeah, too. That, yeah. that, that, that was that was a little bit of bait. See if anyone's going to take that. Well, you, I I. I got hooked. It's yeah. deep in my cheek now. <laughs> so that's what I got going. How about, how about Jeff? <laughs> well, um, my army's done and been done for a bit, so that's good. Um, I've mostly been working on peripherals and easier ways to transport it, so I 3D printed a couple, um, I'm going to call them bases that will hold heavier models securely in transport. Okay. And magnetized a few things up so a couple of my heavier models don't get bounced around as bad as they might. But other than that, just printing peripherals here and there, kind of being fancy with things I probably don't need, but I'm going to print anyway because I can. That and because you can is, is the thing. That's that's like most of my stuff because I can. Um, so when you finish that up, which it basically is now, I'm just test fitting it, making sure it all fits in the bag that it's going with me on the airplane, so I don't have to worry about not having something I need. And other than that, I've been working in my 3D printing software to work on a couple tables for the future, but they're going to wait till we get back from this trip. <laughs> yeah. Just, I only, I, 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 my work's been busy, so my brain power, I only have so much to devote to hobbying right now, which yeah. is unusual, but it's just the way it is. So, cracking through what I can, and uh, we'll leave the rest to later. Hey, it's good to be busy because then you can have those nice lulls where you don't have to worry about anything. Bingo. So that's about all I've been doing. Brennan, how about you, Dale? Uh, let's see. Finished building the army, uh, putting it together, primed it, and now painting it. And so I have a game tomorrow. Probably won't finish it, painting it before then, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> 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 Um, You're that's leaving it. earlier than the rest of us, too, aren't you? Uh, what's that? You're leaving to Ireland earlier than the rest of us, aren't you? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm staying later than most oh. of you, although I think Jeff actually is going to be a little bit later than I am on the way on the way back. But Yeah, we'll be pretty late on the way back. But yeah, I think we're a week. We come a week after. We come back a week afterwards. But okay. 
Um, and then I'm I'm working on uh, three questions for the WTC captains chat. So probably I think I will actually post them tomorrow, so that um, they're out into the chat prior to um, official release of the lists. Which should be just a couple days, right? Yeah, we I'm expecting them two weeks before the event. So okay, um, and then. And I'm holding off on these questions because, um, I, I mean, um, we've had some rulings that um, uh, caught me by surprise, and probably <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not the um, <laughs> I'm probably not the only one who was was caught off guard by some of these things, and it's not it's not a matter of um, of whether um, I felt like they were good or bad rulings. As a matter of fact. Um, one of the last things that we came through on the chat was that um, the one of the rulings had received some really good positive feedback, good ruling, and and the reply was it's it's neither good nor bad, it's just a ruling. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can kind of understand that. But when I pose my questions, I try to be really careful because I don't want to inject any any personal bias or anything like that. I just want to present the information in such a way that these are the facts. How will it be ruled for for WTC? And so, I, I sometimes wish you would in, inject your bias a little bit because uh, the the transport ruling was was grinding my gears just a little bit. Yep. You didn't you didn't lead the question quite enough, and they were just like, "Whatever you want." And you're like, "Whoa, that's not what we meant." Well, <laughs> and, but still, it's just a matter of you know, at, at the end of the whole thing, we're going to learn a lot more once it's all wrapped up. Oh, for sure. And everything will be revisited, and then they'll maybe they'll yeah. tweak a few things or adjust or whatever the case may be. But yeah. I guess I'm just I always try to um, I always try to keep myself out of what's happening and what's being decided as much as I can because then no, that's and that's reasonable in most cases. This last one killed me when they gave you the non-answer that we were not expecting. <laughs> but it's and again that's it's just we, we got we, we got everyone's a, yelling at their podcast thing. What was it? What was oh, it? Yeah, tell yeah, us yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. Well let's tell you what it was. So in the rule book it says that you can decide with your opponent whether or not you're gonna remove remove or leave vehicles on the table when they've been destroyed. Correct? Like yes. uh, transports transports mainly. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. Effectively, um, well, the question uh, was no destroyed vehicles. Any right. destroyed vehicles? Right. Yes. So the question was, uh, if a vehicle is destroyed, um, how should that be played? Right. Should it remain on the board, or should it should it be taken off? Right. Because yeah. the rule book is ambiguous and tells you, you just decide with your partner or with your opponent. Right. Yeah. Some the, players the, like to use models yeah. of wrecked vehicles instead. Either way, vehicle wrecks count as impassable. If the players prefer. Not to bother with wrecks, destroyed vehicles can be removed altogether, perhaps blown apart by an internal explosion, leaving only scattered debris. Yeah, or they so, probably see debris. Right, so it can be can be played either way, which is fine. Yeah, until so either, you get to a tournament, either way is an option, depending upon <coughs> what's decided. Right, right. But the worst thing we didn't want to have happen is have this discussion before every game whether or not we're removing cars or vehicles, and or. It happens in a game, and we it's advantageous to one player to have it on or off the table. So now we're getting into dis disagreement about, well, now it should be a rec marker. No, it shouldn't be because it's my turn. Blah, 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 and all that shit. So I'm no, grateful. The moon is in the seventh heaven with the stars in the sky, so it stays. Yeah, so thankfully. It is the age of Aquarius. Yes. Thankfully, that was their, their first response was, well, it says in the book, players decide. And we're like, that doesn't work because 
how does that how does that who decides who like what's the what's the way to decide that and so finally they came to the conclusion that we are going to use rec markers for all vehicles so vehicles that are destroyed Oh, that are destroyed, yes. Transports are still, say, removed if they're closest to an enemy unit. Right, because they bugger off, closer, yeah. Yep. Right. Even, if, yeah. even if they're disabled, but uh, yes. I'll not grind into that that one too hard. Yeah, yeah that, that can get fixed mm-hmm. later. <laughs> right. I, yeah, and so, I mean, and so the reply was simply, this is what the book says. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm like, okay. But we had a little discussion in, yeah. amongst the team. And, and Pat's like, well, what's going to happen? And then I'm like, well... Whosever vehicle it is just will decide, and and then Pat point out, well, that's not exactly what it says because I thought that was obvious, but I'm like, okay, I, I'll ask the question, and so I just <laughs> followed up again. So just to be clear, <laughs> you know, oh here, actually, I'll I'll, I'll pop into it. So I'm well, not yeah, because the myself. line of thinking is that okay, in areas it's advantageous for you to have all of a sudden impassable terrain there. Right, exactly. Or you're like, oh no, that's gonna block my line of this. I don't want it there. I'll remove it. You know? Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. but I, yeah. I love that. I, I love that. I'm okay. If if I, someone brings a vehicle and it's destroyed, then there might be an opportunity for them to decide whether it stays or it's removed. It's just an additional little thing that people can play around with. In any event, I just said just to nail this down: of the two players, attacker defender, does the attacker or defender decide what happens to the wrecked vehicle? Right. So if there's not an agreement, <laughs> who decides? Right. And then and then the reply the, the, the reply reply simply was neither decides what to do, the wreck remains. Period. So the wreck will always remain at the WTC. Yeah. Okay. So the wreck that. stands alone. <laughs> and 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 I'm like what you just quote and I'm thinking because I didn't that's that's the ruling, that's fine. Now we know and we'll all play it the same as told it's perfectly right. fine. It's just like okay. <laughs> Well, and, it, and and well, right, because you opened a can of worms, right? You're like, here's a here's a scenario where now it matters what happens, and that's that that becomes a problem in a competitive field when the game the book isn't necessarily that is not its intention of being competitive is well, whether I, or not to take it off to be advantageous. Well, I, I I disagree. I actually think the rule set is meant to be competitive. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not I'm not saying the rule set. I'm okay. saying this particular rule. Because sure. if you don't want to be bothered sure. with a rec marker, that's not that does not say competitive to me. That just says I can't be bothered doing this. <laughs> like it, seem, it seems well, silly. I, I, and I, I guess I understand that. To me, that that is a that could be a competitive choice because if you play with a lot of vehicles and you like to run an advancing line of impassable terrain, possibly or something like that, then if pulling one off could be advantageous if you're going to move right. up through the gap or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's just. The way they worded it makes it feel not competitive because if it said you may or may not have a ruck marker at your discretion, mm-hmm. whatever how you want to say that, right. not a, if you don't want to bother with a ruck marker, don't put it out there. Like yeah. that's that's not saying this is a competitive choice. This is a <laughs> if you don't want to bother. Yeah, I, I'm. It, I, I still feel like we suffer within the rules from having like a beer and pretzels genealogy. Yes, for right? sure. So a lot of that stuff just kind of gets wrapped forward. And and even and why these questions are so important is still to this day, I've got so many older editions of other games that are similar or previous incarnations of bolt action. Those rules mm-hmm. always kind of pop up. Oh, no, wait, this is this is how it's played. Well, no, that's how it was played however many editions ago. It's just I can't keep my rules straight. So, But... So in any event, I've got a couple of questions um, that um, it's all about. It's all about charging 
in particular which rules apply specifically to the two closest models when you're when you're looking to complete that assault mm -hmm. and so specifically um, the rough ground question um, because we've gone through in a previous podcast about what are the steps for charging or assaulting and we had made a note that you know even if you're within eight inches through open ground of the two closest models if any unit if any part of your charging unit is in rough ground you're limited to six inches that would be a felt charge yep and yes. so we got a little bit of pushback on that as far as a different interpretation. So I just wanted to get that one out there to make sure that that was clear to everyone at the WTC so that we knew how that would be how that would be played. Because I definitely assume there's going to be rough ground on all of the tables that we're playing yeah. on the WTC. Well, just sure because so. we're very positive on how a rule is played, turns out that that may not be how somebody else thinks the particular rule is played. Right. And so we just want to make sure that that's 100% that's clear. And then while we were discussing that and, and the best way to kind of present that to the captain's chat, um, I was also thinking about, well, what, how, do you, how do you determine what's in cover and what's not in cover? Is it just based off of the closest models or the units and, and things like that? So I just wanted to make sure that, and again, to us, this is really straightforward and, and obvious in, in the book, but we're, we're stuck in our own bias and reading interpretations and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think there's going to be any controversy, but I just don't want to take any chances <laughs> because <laughs> because it's like, what do you mean errata isn't included? <laughs> it specifically says it counts That's as being in the rule. That's what the word errata means. Yeah. So, like I said, um, so I'll probably get those posted um, tomorrow before I go to play my game. So yeah, it okay. should be a good time. I don't think there's going to be any controversy, but I didn't think there would be previous to that. Either, so. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Right, thanks mm -hmm. for doing that, Dale. Yeah, yeah, no worries. It's, I appreciate it's, it. It's 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 pretty enjoyable, but um, yeah, and and heads up once once they release the lists, um, we'll be spending as much time as humanly possible that you guys are available, going through and handicapping everything and planning all of that. So be yep. ready for that. Ever vigilant, yes. It'll be fun. I'm excited about about Mandatory that part. Fun. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Fun will be had, or we'll take off your head. Of one of your models <laughs> that you then have to put back together. Good luck with that. Mine are all metal, buddy. <laughs> I got clippers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? You bringing them with? You get those on the bus? Good luck with that. Mm. Or not on the bus, Jesus. Put them in your check bag. Airbus. That's an airbus. That's what I meant. You can check bag that. Yeah, that's fair. It's a magic school you, bus, baby. Ooh. I wish. I wish you could miss Frizzle. Frizzle could yeah. miss, could blink her eyes and we'd be in <laughs> Europe instead of having to ride on the seven-hour plane ride on top of having three- or four-hour layovers and other crazy crap. Yeah. It'll all be yeah. worth it. It'll oh, be fun. Yeah. No, it'll be great. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Better be here. I blame each and every one of you. I'll and blame you too, Pat, so don't worry. There was, there was about four hours earlier this week that there was a possibility I was going to end up playing for a different team. So thankfully, thankfully that didn't um, uh, work out because we had someone step up and, and fill in the spot that opened up. So thanks to Ryan for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a uh, that was a huge deal. Clutch, clutch, clutch. Yeah. right? I'm grateful that he was he had the opportunity to make it work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's a little bit sad that his wife isn't coming with him, but you know it's okay. There's a bunch of us, bunch Sam's of us, wives yeah. too. You, get, you, 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 you guys will find a way to make 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 him not feel so bad about that. I'm sure. I, I think I, it's called whiskey. <laughs> at least we got at least one whiskey uh, tasting to to go through. So uh, who knows? Anyway, all right. Let's Thanks for Dale's hobby update on that. That was pretty in-depth. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't often of, do anything for hobby, so. A lot of, but the funny thing is we talked a lot about a lot of stuff, and then we talked very little about you making and painting models. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, the hobby isn't just, I mean, no, we often do. It, it, it isn't just that. Sometimes the hobby is planning a game, or yep. think of all that time that, that Jeff spent hobby doing the campaign for us when we were first playing. And so, right, yeah, not wrong. Know, there's a lot no. there. So. There's there's a lot. No, and I don't actually. Mine wasn't even painting models either. So, yeah. a lot of other stuff. Anyway, all right. Oh, and I should I should call out because I said I had pin markers made. Uh, Alan at GC Mini is the one that made them for us. He was able to knock those out real quick for me, which was great. Yeah, thanks, uh, Alan. Yeah, he's very super very accommodating. Yeah, yeah, he's, awesome. he's very accommodating, very easy to work with. I was able to give him my Illustrator file, and he was able to do his thing to it and made it laser cuttable and bought bought special acrylic for me because I wanted different color acrylics than he had available. It was very accommodating. And he had it done in like five days, which was unnecessary, but whatever. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, thanks for getting them to me. I, yeah, didn't, I didn't know they were going to be that awesome. quick. Awesome. Super sweet. Yeah, which was funny because I think I tried, I reached out to the His Street guy too to see if he would do the, his dial markers for us and I never heard squat from him. So I kind of, I was like, okay, I will go to plan B. Which, that's no offense to Alan, I was just looking at their cool dial thingies. Mm-hmm. Which is just unique. Anyway, alright. Speaking of weird dial thingies, which you need for these guys, uh, we're going to talk about the weirdest, weirdest segue ever. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're if I, if I didn't know you, I'd say you planned that. But, mm. but I do know Oh, you. I, don't, I don't plan <laughs> shit. <laughs> I did not plan that. Um, alright, we're going to talk about Soup to nuts? Or soap, go what soup to hell, nuts on borders. What the hell does that even mean, soup to nuts? That's a very old phrase. It basically means uh, if you sit down at a full dinner, you go from your beginning to end. The nuts would be generally dessert, and the soup is generally the first course. How old-timey is that? Here's your plate of nuts, sir. Uh, well, I mean, there's a there's a Latin phrase that it comes from. So Okay, so it's that long ago. Okay, nuts, okay. yeah. It's <laughs> not, nuts, nowadays, it's not soup to these nuts, so... Got. Beginning to end. Could be updated for that, yeah. I mean, I get that it's from beginning to end, but I was just like, why is soup the beginning and nuts the end? That does, like, that, uh... Actually, dessert. soup to D's nuts makes more sense to me. Yeah. Um, especially if you're young and single and you go out on dates often. So Jesus Christ, okay. Wouldn't that be popcorn to D's nuts? Well, no, you still go to dinner. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Okay. Dinner starts with soup and the night... Well, in any... I mean, let, let, I shouldn't have to spell this shit out. <laughs> you can go you ahead and DM uh, Dale on Discord if you want any further update on that. <laughs> this, he'll send you some sketchy websites, I'm sure. All right. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> Alright, we got Jeff praying already, so. Alright. Let's start at the top. Uh, small, medium, or large? Uh, light, medium, or heavy. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> Same difference. I got the middle one right. <laughs> One for three, whatever. <laughs> venti, venti. Yeah. Freudian yes. <laughs> <laughs> One inch, two inch, or three inch. What, what's the large? Yeah, what's the largest Starbucks coffee? Uh, f- venti, I think. Is venti the big one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Grande, which actually means large. Yeah. Is it the largest one? No. <laughs> venti <laughs> is is twenty. It doesn't even mean large. Doesn't even mean bigger than large. <laughs> so. I remember seeing somebody talk about this in a movie, uh, where yeah, they're all they're none of them are the same. Like they're not the same things. Anyway, okay, weirdest tangent ever. So light, medium, or heavy? Which 
Uh, I have a, I have a particular. I care about one of these more than others, but uh, <laughs> or I use one. I shouldn't say that. I, sh- I use one more often than not. But I have recently switched to heavy, and I think heavy's pretty awesome. It's kind of scary. Okay, well, let's start with the start with the costing on all these things. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that, please. Uh, and I will also let you know is just a quick caveat that um, we're gonna, we'll talk about the light mortar first, which is twenty four mm. points in experience for most armies. Yep. 35 for regular and 46 for veteran. Uh, the U.S. costing is different because in other armies this is a two-man team, but in the American armies it's a three-man team. The light is a three-man is it, team. Is is a three-man it, team. Unless, it's always, unless it's airborne. You have to say there was an option that made it li- not. Uh, then it's, then that's the two-paratrooper uh, version at veteran for 46. Otherwise, yeah, and, and the U.S. still 28, 40, yeah. and 52. All right, and it's stubborn then too, right? Uh, trooper patrons are in fact stubborn, yes. Yeah, I didn't say this, the mortar is too, though, yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's the small one. That's the light one. Excuse my language. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, did you go through what they were for an inexperienced regular and yes. veteran? Okay. Yep, yep. Yes. Well, one inch pipe weight? Yep. Uh, D2 pins? Probably the yeah. most important thing about the most important distinction for the light is uh, they don't get a spotter. Uh, yep. They do not have the fixed keyword, we'll say. Yep. Meaning right. they, so they can, can move, move and, fire, and yeah. then fire. So even um, if they're in the first wave, they can come on and still and still fire a shot. You know, and they go 12 to 24 inches. Got a shorter range. Yeah, yeah. that's the yep. max range is 24. Minimum range is 12. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and more often than not, I'd see light mortars inside units, which is what makes them interesting, too, as they are not necessarily always a team by themselves. Uh, Japanese, I know, have a couple that yep. can field those. The and yep. early war French. That early war French. I was like, I'm really... Yeah. That was a, it's a VB launcher, right? That they have? Yep. Yeah. Considered a light mortar, though, right? Essentially. Or is it, is it 6 to 18? The VB launcher is 6 oh, to 18. Shorter. Yeah, yeah, shorter. Yep. Shorter man, shorter max. Correct. Which if you're tightens up the range that, by 6 inches, yes. Yeah, if you're playing around that range, you've got got some other issues developing too. Uh, was yeah, the, is, the light mortar is not doing it for you. Yeah, was it the VB launcher like five point upgrade? Twenty. Yeah. Was it a twenty point upgrade full HF? Do you recall? I believe it is. Yes. Okay. It's, All right. It was not as it was not as cheap as you would expect it to be for okay. sure. Well, I mean, like it's, a, it's it's a light mortar. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, Japanese steam yeah. mortars, are, I think, are in the same. Uh, the I same think so as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Uh, question about it, since we talked about it moving. If it moves, but the unit doesn't move, it still has to rearrange in, correct? It doesn't get to... It doesn't... Right, well, you know, the ranging, the indirect fire is if uh, the mover and the target are stationary. Right, so light mortar has a little bit disadvantage in that if it wants to hit something, sometimes it might want to sit still. When it comes to yes. ranging in, it's at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah correct. Right, well, that, like I said, it's the only one that can come on the board in the first wave and still also fire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Not many well, things in target and range at that point, though, potentially. I mean, you're, you're talking, it's the, the the light mortar has a maximum range of 24. So if you move six inches forward, whatever you're shooting at would have would have to have advanced or, or advanced. Forward deployed. deployed. Forward, <laughs> forward deployed. deployed. So there is a little bit of mitigation in that regard. As far, it's just as far as that first wave goes. There mm-hmm. could be other reasons why you're moving throughout the game. That would be advantageous for them. Well, if you're deployed and then you you want to make a move to another position, you can still fire and you're still ranging on the six yeah. as well. 
Yep. Or you've destroyed the previous target, now you can move over towards another target, and you're still ranging another six anyway. It gives you mm -hmm. some, some flexibility. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. Or if they've moved too close, you can go backwards because they're within your 12-inch range. Correct. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's light mortars. It's they're pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, again, they don't, yeah. get, they don't get spotters, but I don't think that's the end of the world. I think they have a different... They're a different tool in the toolbox. Different box. role. Different yep. role. Yeah. So, um, and then as we were talking about the medium and the heavy mortar, which as long as they are not inexperienced, they can take advantage of a spotter. Notice I said take advantage of. Inexperienced can still <laughs> take them in their list, but they can't use them as spotters. So if you want to do some forward deploying shenanigans, you can still take them, but they are of no use to inexperienced. Um, a quick note on spotters. Um, I was actually wanting to... So if we look at, do, 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 I do have it open, page 131, where they talk about playing a game of bolt action, and they talk about uh, the advanced deployments. They do specify that the spotter and the team have a shared order dice. So, for example, if the spotter is left in reserve with the unit the first time, so sorry, if the unit has a spotter left in reserve the first time that unit gets a successful runner advance order to enter the table, the order applies to both the spotter and the unit itself. So they can both enter the table. Um, this can be at different points if you wish. After this, the spotter will follow his normal rules. Meaning if you want to move the spotter, you have to give him the order dice. If you want to fire the mortar, you give the mortar team the order dice. Okay. So that's, that's as far as setup's concerned. And I think, I mean, most people remember not to put them in reserve. I think, I guess Top Secret is one of those funny games where most of the stuff starts in reserve and, and comes goes into quote unquote reserve, but then reserves can come out on the first turn, which is, is, is it's a silly scenario. I don't think anyone mm -hmm. plays it seriously and it's not really <laughs> much of a competitive but you know it's got <coughs> its flavor points, I guess. I don't think I've ever personally played it and I think I'm okay with it. Yeah. There's other variants around it. It's just the whole okay, no, you're all in reserve but you're coming in on the first turn. What? Meaning you have to make reserve rolls and that's probably a whole different episode we can talk about that. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So, and then spotters on page 71 have a very large flavor box that's labeled top secret, but you are allowed to read it, and please do so. Because it's rules, even though it's not right. Right. And I don't know how top secret it is. Like, you should actually say, important rule, please read this. <laughs> that would be too easy, though. <laughs> that would make life too easy if, if everything said this is a rule that you need to follow. This, this is a rule. We're trying to be coy with it, but this is really something you should read. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it talks about what the spotters are. It's always a single model. Um, it's part of a mortar or artillery team, but it's always treated separately as not one of the crew. He does not have to be placed within the within the weapons crew. His role is to do line of sight for it and be in forward positions. Uh, he's always considered a small team and down. How, okay. neat, how useful is that? Because you know what? They probably were laying down. Yeah. Their little binoculars, their little flags, or whatever. However, you know, some had radios, some had flags. The, the permanent minus three to hit is very nice. Yes, for sure. It is. And the fact that if someone does take out your spotter, your your artillery or mortar is still in the game. However, yep. if that respective mortar or artillery piece is taken, please do remember to move your spotters too. Don't just leave them there because that's how they get left in my terrain when I pack up from operations now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's always the spotters. I usually I usually get at least two spotters every year. So sometimes you can find building a whole army out of leftover spotters. <laughs> leftover spotters. Just six mortars in your list. This is my spotter list. 
Sure. So, I mean, why not? Why so not? the spotter crew are treated entirely separately in other respects, as if they were two units, and the spotter has not taken into account whether he, uh, whether it comes to determining whether the weapon team or artillery piece is destroyed. So if your spotter has a crap ton of pins, unless you're putting an order on him to move, you're not making a test. Um, there was some, Even if you use his line of sight, yeah. Right, but just draw additional lines of fire. All right, so that was spotters. How much do medium mortars cost, Rick? Um, not that much. Inexperience is what, 35? 35, 50, 65, yep. There you go. I, I'm like, I can only remember the one. Uh, 50, yeah, 50 is easy to remember, too. Yep. Uh, interesting side note, British don't have access to an inexperienced medium mortar. Huh. I don't think. Why, why, yeah, of course. It? Of course they wouldn't. Well, that's just the way things go sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. that? Oh, maybe they do. Maybe I'm thinking of something different. That's entirely possible. I've been looking at so many armies in the last three weeks. Uh, yeah, they do. Okay. There's somebody else that didn't have access to an inexperienced mortar. I forget who it is now, if it wasn't the British. But someone doesn't. Someone just starts them at 50, starts them at medium. I know it's probably not partisans. <laughs> the, uh, par- partisans have a weird mortar list, too. I can't remember what I, it is. I though. think they're probably inexperienced and regular. They probably don't have veteran yeah, or something Yeah, like I that. think that might be right. We can't be bothered to look at all these things, though. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, and it's like most of them are the same, so like, there's one weird outlier, outlier and you're like, which, which one was that? that? Yeah. 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 Like, somebody's all the somebody's screaming the answer right who's, now. Who's the odd duck out here? Yeah. Everyone's got a little slightly different list, so make sure you look refer to your army book when you're making your list, even if you think you have something you may not mm-hmm. that we talk about here, because that's how it works. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, so medium mortar is, of course, a 2-inch HE. Yep. It can only fire indirect, and it's 12 to 60. 60? Is it 60? Yeah, 60. Yeah. 60, yeah. Not quite corner to corner, but it gets pretty close. Yeah, it's a remarkable number of times you go, huh, wow, I'm about 65 inches. I guess I missed that. <laughs> you should have ever had that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're trying to go, like Dale said, corner, corner to corner to take out yeah. their multi-launcher. I, yeah, I guess let's talk about that because like I don't often deploy my mortars in at, a corner. In a corner, yeah. I've never found it to be very useful to have such limited range. So somewhere in the middle usually makes more sense. Yeah. If, well, if I think, have a good spot for it, think of it this way. But how? I mean, in your in, <laughs> in your, a given list, right? In a given list, I mean, I would I still can. right. But, yeah, right, but yeah, typically, yeah, sure. if you're only running with a single mortar, you're not necessarily going to dump it into a corner. You're more going to put it centrally, depending upon lines of fire and stuff yep. like that. Yep. But if you do happen to have two or more, then you're looking possibly to spread them apart because you don't want them close together. Yeah, you don't want them getting right. both and taken out at the same then time. Then that's where sure. you might end up having to go corner to corner. If you lose one early, you find yourself just on the wrong side of the board. But I mean, obviously, all of this is very dependent on the terrain as well. It but is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just find that limiting your range to being only like two-thirds of the board usually isn't the, 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 the correct choice move, to make yeah. if you could do. Yeah, it depends if, if you're trying to hide your mortar from a sniper or not. There's that too, right? Snipers, play, I mean, snipers and some, yeah. You don't always want to get them snipered off, for sure. That's true. It, it, it hurts a little bit, but it's really fun when you do it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the story of everyone's life, <laughs> right? That's that's the liver liver died. Did I get the six or did I get the one? <laughs> it it is definitely a sword that cuts one way, <laughs> right? Yeah, just it depends on whose sword gets there first. So that's, that's how snipers work, though. Yeah, that's that's why we talked about it last time. 
Great. Yeah, lots of fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's the medium. I mean, that's, you know, it's what it is. I think it's really common. A lot of people take mm-hmm. them. They're a little easier to take at, at regular yeah, than getting that spotter in there. Okay. You know, and I think if you are if you are taking them at regular, you should take them with a spotter. Um, if you take them at veteran, I'm really wondering what the rest of your list looks like. Yeah, right. But uh, I don't. I don't think I've seen many veteran medium mortars. I've, I've seen veteran light, but I've never seen veteran light makes ever. sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. veteran medium. I don't think I've ever seen either. I, I, I'm, I commend people when they take medium regulars too, because um, we'll get to that in a minute. But sure. Uh, should we, should we drift over heavies and then we can get to kind of what the yeah. mortars did, in general? Did you mention it was a two-inch template? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. I'm like, I missed that in there somewhere. Yep. All right, okay. I, you're always drowning me out, Rick. I, I get that. It's a little more pie than the one-inch. So. <laughs> yes, that's usually how it works. A, more pie. It's actually a substantial increase in volume. It is. That's more than double, right? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, two yes, it is. Seven, four. This, if for those that are wondering, when you're looking at pizzas... Buying the largest pizza is almost always the economic choice, just so if, you're aware. If you're trying to eat the most pizza for your dollar. Yes, yeah, because like you, like you just patches, the wider the, the circumference, the more volume by a lot. If Diamond. you're a crust fan and you find yourself having too much pizza left over, you're just throwing away, buy a smaller pizza. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. If you don't, if you can't eat all your pizza, then don't, don't order such a big pizza. But I have no problem eating the, the leftovers. They make great breakfast. <laughs> That's going to catch <laughs> yeah. up to you, man. <laughs> I mean, everything I do catches up to yeah. eventually. It, yeah. it, it's rough. The the last half of the 40s, man, you can't get away with that shit anymore. Now, to, now to be fair, to be fair I, I mean, I'm, I lift a ton every day. Two, um, I don't do it very often. There's not very much. There's not often pizza in what do you, What do you lift a ton of every day? Children. Oh, okay. They're, and they get heavier with age, too. That's the unfortunate part. And with well. pizza orders. <laughs> and with pizza <laughs> orders, they get heavier, too, for sure. That's that's the goal with kids. So you want to get them heavy. True, you got to get them to eat food. Any food is food no. for kids, especially if care. it's macaroni and cheese or peanut butter and jelly. I don't care if it catches up with them in their forties. I need them to eat. I need them to grow now. So heavy mortars. Speaking yeah. of heavy, yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, nice segue. Thank you. Uh, inexperienced at forty six, regular at sixty five, veteran at eighty four. They can also have a spotter. Ten points across the board. And this is fairly typical for all armies. Um, that have access to a heavy mortar because not all armies do. Right. No. Last no, no, one is the British do not have a heavy mortar. They only have lights and the BTM. That's what it was. Oh, no, they do have a heavy. Who was I thinking of that doesn't have a heavy mortar? French? Romanians? French? You've been zero zero. I am. Yeah, I know. I, was, I had been so I, long since I played British. Romani- Romanians have heavy. Like, well, the I French don't. Sure. I can tell you that right off the top. Japanese have like a super heavy. No, yeah, yeah they do. That's, yeah, that thing's a beast. We don't want to mention that. We don't talk about Bruno. That's what I'd call it if I have one. Bruno the spigot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they just tell my opponents we don't talk about Bruno when I'm lighting his ass on fire. So, so the heavy mortar is a three-inch template, and that's another mm, almost... Was it almost a thirty-two percent increase in size? Just yeah, math is fun that way. Just mathing off my head. Quite crazy. I see ads for that all the time on the internet. Make it thirty-two percent larger. I what? Sorry. Yeah, they just want you to go to heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go to a heavy. You'll be fine. You just put one more dude on the crew. It'll help. 
That seems, yeah, it's, all, yeah, it's, it's just it's an extra guy, right? Yep, it's four guys. Yep, that fourth guy's the fluffer. And then they go 12 to 72. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Ah, it almost got through. Dude. It almost got through. <laughs> oh, no. That was. This was all planned, right, guys? I plan everything. Yeah, <laughs> just other plans that you weren't aware of. Something like that, isn't that the quote? Uh, was there's no such thing as coincidence. Just plans other people didn't tell you about. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Sounds right. Sorry, I'm channeling Jeff this evening. I don't know. Yeah, boy, you're on fire. So it's a 1.5% increase, or sorry, 1.5 times, so you're increasing another 50% when you go from 2 to 3 inch. Nice. It's going to get a lot more guys. Uh, you can usually hit, like, you usually get about 6 men under that, which makes sense, because I think at 3 inch you can usually get about 4 guys, if they've, if they've spaced up nicely for you, if they've really crowded together and hugged them all base to base, so you can get more. Um, Remember, you just have to touch a guy. Yep. You ain't got to cover, you just got to touch. Yeah, yep. and uh, touch any part of his base. Um, for exactly. the infantry, they they do specify any part of the base. Yeah, that yep. two inch that two inch covers can cover quite a bit depending upon how packed up your target is. Mm-hmm. And the three inch again, it's just yeah, even it, yeah, it's you can get whole units with the three inch. Yep. So they're fun. They are fun. Uh, I've. I've I've had them in a couple different lists. I try to put them in any list that can take them. <coughs> yeah. We're talking just mortars generically, right? Uh, heavy in heavy, particular. Heavy mortars. Okay. And in my list, I will usually run them as inexperienced. Um, just because, you know, they're already at that 46 points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Reg- so yeah, it's like you either take a regular medium mortar or you can take an inexperienced. At four point. You know, heavy, so yeah. For, yeah. Four points. And, and so that's the thing about mortars that everyone notices. If you didn't notice, um, you don't have to rely on the inexperience to, to fire it. I mean, to, to, hit a target. to target something. Yep. Yeah, because, right, it's always going to hit on a six. It's always firing indirect, and it's always yep. doing the, the ranging in bit. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So inexperience doesn't matter for, for the fact of shooting, but it does obviously hinder you if you get pins on you. But oftentimes they're backline things, so sometimes they don't even take them unless they get... Um, You're welcome. <laughs> it's also, it is what it is. It's also a spotter issue. It is a spotter issue. I find that in most games, I can I can still target enough things. Maybe I don't get all of the priority targets that I want, but I still have something to shoot at every round. There's never a, t- a turn where you're like, I just have nothing to shoot at. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's where I like struggle with the spotter, especially if you're buying a heavy, because what's that? It's at 65 plus 10 more, so 75 points for a heavy with a spotter. At regular? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's pricey quick. Uh, and one thing I just want to touch base and ranging in just so I make sure you forget about it. Uh, with that spotter, when you're ranging in with him and you haven't zeroed in yet, meaning you're not in that 2+, plus, and someone yep. takes out your spotter, you have to start ranging in again. Um, oh. If you are ranged in and someone takes out your spotter, you are still ranged in. Oh, if you're losing, if you're using line of sight from the spotter. Yep. And you haven't ranged oh, in sure. yet. I mean, okay, I'm on five this time. I missed, okay? And someone takes out your spotter. Now you're back to six. Sure, because you actually haven't hit yet. Right. right. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. But if well, you're zeroed in. Yeah, that makes sense because you wouldn't, you'd have to move to see. You'd yep. have to move to see the target. Well, you, you don't have the spotter correcting fire for you anymore. Right. 
I, yeah, I have I mean, saved some mortars a number of times by taking out someone's spotter that was ranging in on my on my stuff too. So right, does that does that still apply even if the mortar could see the target? No, you if they're using, using the spotter, the spotter you yeah. they have spotter. to be using the spotter. Right. Well, in which case, you can't fire at them anymore anyway. Right, you'd have to move, and then then therefore you always yeah. lose ranging in. Yeah. Right, you wouldn't be able to see the target, then you wouldn't be able to target it anymore. But if you're you zeroed in and someone takes out the spotter, you right. are still zeroed right. in. Right, because you are, you are on top of them already. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. What a wonky rule that is. Okay, well, I just wanted to, you know. No, it's a quick thing to no, call out and clarify. Yeah. Um, but let's, we, we kind of talked about it for a second, but let's talk about deploying it. At the beginning, first wave reserve, I would never reserve my mortar personally, but. Um, Something pretty to, wonky would have to force you to do it. Yeah, the, the weird deployment, or yeah, yeah, yeah very weird. I, I, uh, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But yes, there, yeah, there, there are absolutely times I hold my mortar in reserve. Okay. Um, and wonky deployment is one of them. Playing British, where they have the, the Uber, awful, pre, Uber prep yeah. bombardment. Yeah. You're it's like, not no, I'd rather Uber. They take just it roll in. two dice and get to pick which one they use. Oh, yeah, that's only yes, that's only that's, a fifty percent increase in, yeah, in hitting what you want. Absolutely fantastic. I mean. I mean some statistic nerd is going to freak out at me for what I just said, but because uh, you really want the six, right? So you've, you've yeah. got two and yes. two and six chance instead of plus one and three six from the top single hit. You've actually increased your odds by fifty percent. Yeah, so don't don't take that lightly. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, I don't. I'm not. I'm not ragging on the British. I like the rule. I just yeah, it's something to consider when you're putting shit out. Yep. I sometimes rag on the British because they have all the really good special rules. And, you know, well, and that, okay. that's actually a really good point, that Jeff. Brings up, and that, you know, if you can save yourself that hassle, you're losing a round of fighting. But yep. well, as long as you can, you can kill the artillery observer. But I mean, yeah, he's so. the next he's the next jag hole that has to die. But yeah, yeah. But to caveat that, I you know I just got done saying I like taking heavy mortars, but the truth is I almost always take light mortars anymore. Uh, in which case, I absolutely hold them in reserve because yeah, you don't so. want to get your half your team ganked. By a Brit, and then have to make that check. Yep, and, and that's also why if you do, you, you run them as veteran. Yep, and they can they can just walk on and shoot anyway. And my we'll get to target selection in a second. My target selection is usually going to be in range when I bring a light mortar team on the board. Right, you're using your. It sounds like very reactionary. So. Uh, kind of, yeah. I don't know if reactionary is the right word, but it's absolutely um, if not has, reactionary, anticipatory. Yeah, it it has specific targets. And it's very it's very rare that my mortar runs out of targets before the game ends. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost run exclusively mediums myself. Mm -hmm. All right, well let's let's talk about some targeting priorities for any of the. Let's start with the light mortar first. Was uh, me personally, I I like them as Jeff had mentioned. When I do run them, I like to run them as veteran, um, and I, I'm targeting that sniper. I'm making that sniper rethink his decisions on life. Yep. Um, Past that, if I can get to another team weapon, great. Or if I've got, or if there's someone that's just sitting too close to objective for too long, it's you know it's another way to start to make them rethink their life choices too. Mm -hmm. So that's those are my priorities for a light mortar. Um, one thing I should also say with all of my mortars, I, with the exception, sorry, the light when hunting a sniper, activate him whenever you can activate him. Um, the other mortars I generally don't activate till later in the round. Wait for your target to have moved, so that you can possibly get you know you can if you miss you're on a five you can get an early order dice next round and you know, you'll be on a five. So, yep. absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, the the exception to that is if you've ranged in, you'll want to fire it early to land another five yeah. plate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if just, you've just, ranged in, that's where your first order dice is. Yeah, if, you, if you're yeah. ranged in and your target isn't dead, you absolutely <laughs> want to immediately fire that thing again. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is, what, they go down, have the have the hits. Which yep. is obnoxious. I mean, that's a smart move, but... But it's a smart move, but it, at the same time, that whatever that unit was is now not activating for the yep. turn, which is just as good as. And you'll still be ranged dead. in the next turn. Yep, yeah. exactly. It's not moved again. Especially if you've chosen the correct target. Yes. If, if you've chosen the correct target, having it go down is is just as good as almost. Not as good, but it's as good as you can get short of killing it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, sure. it's not going to activate, which is correct. what you want. So. Yeah, yep. you've, now, you've now tied that unit up and are dictating what it's doing. And there's more. Here's some more pins. So yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That never helps. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, targeting priority for we've mentioned the light. Uh, I like to go after snipers with them. Yeah, sniper is almost always my first target. Mm -hmm. Now, are you taking lights in the mortar slot, or are you yes. talking about lights? Okay. Right. I, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about taking them in the mortar in the mortar slot because most of the armies I play don't have the option to take them anywhere else. Right. Right. Okay. Right. With the exception of the French you had before, but yeah, yeah. I, I haven't had those French on the table in a while. But yes, yeah. no, first, yeah, because the only one that really has any other other is Japan, right? Uh, yeah, they have because they have the knee mortar. They can take three mortars, uh, three knee mortars in the squad. Dear Lord, yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, I've always wanted to run a minimum sized three knee mortar squad. I think that would just be brutal. But um, I faced it not too long ago. Belgium has a similar option. I was not impressed personally. Okay. I, my opponent maybe wasn't able to roll a six for his life, but uh, anyway. Yeah, I think it's one of those units that might sound better than it really is, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I've not I, I've I mean, not played one of those units, so they might be better than I'm thinking they are. The it being in the mortar slot, it's not a heavy investment with a light mortar. Like it's mm -hmm. it, it's an order dice, but it's also it's a cheap order rather dice. inexpensive. Yeah, and most things shooting at it, it's <coughs> get, it gets the small teams. Yep. Yeah, yep. Unless, I, unless I you're mean, American. Unless you're American, or would you say the other one was that had the same thing? I think just Americans have that, and then yeah, I don't think another army. Okay. Has I don't think anybody else has a three-man light mortar team. No, right. I don't think so. Um, I I like I, I played against you once, Jeff, and you had a, a light veteran mortar, and I thought that was kind of slick in the sense that it's like it's really hard to kill. Yep. Yep. It's it's very survivable for being a two-man squad because, yes. like you said, it's it's hard to hit. And when you hit it, it's still hard to wound it. Yep. So, you know, it kind of can shrug off shots pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And it being a veteran, if it gets a pin on it because the snipers hit it, it can just activate. It just took, yeah. It doesn't care so yeah. much. You don't worry about rallying with one pin. Right. Yep. It's, an, it, it's a decent counter to a veteran sniper. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Should we talk about mediums then? Yeah. Yeah. My, pre my preferred way to run them is mediums. Yeah, they're, uh, they're in that bang for the buck zone. Yeah. yeah, they are. They are. I, uh, they're relatively inexpensive and inexperienced. I mean, even fifty points is really reasonable for what they do. Um, I kind of like them at inexperience just because I find that they don't get targeted very often. Or if they do, it's a sniper and he kills it anyway, so it doesn't really matter how thirty-five points is less expensive than fifty. Right, but I mean, thank you, John Madden. I've always got complimentary snipers participating in the sniper war to kind of protect yes. them. Yes, yes, um, which which possibly increases their survivability. Mm -hmm. um, it does. And because I've got counter sniper already 
my preferred targets are artillery or things that aren't going to move. Period. Yep. yep. Sure. So, battery. Yep. And the and that two-inch pie plate comes in handy when you're looking at at um, artillery setup with you know they're near the breach within an inch of it or whatever the case may be. They have to be within two inches of the breach and they have to be within one inch of another crew member. Right. So, but that's for me that's what I'm looking at there in that regards. Um, so. Or um, that problematic veteran squad that's running around because um, I don't believe in luck, but that snafu die comes up for me pretty regularly in clutch <laughs> situations to take to take out um, uh, a big chunk of a veteran squad <laughs> every now and then. So. Yeah, yeah. And that plus two pen on that two inch template can can really put the hurt on those uh, those vets. Yep, it it does hurt a lot for sure. So, yeah, I think we haven't mentioned that uh, the 1-inch HE is a D2 pins. Uh, 2-inch and the 3-inch are both D3 pins when they hit. Yep. Now, um, if you find a 4-inch mortar, which they have, what would that be? So they got uh, light, medium, heavy. They need to come up with a super heavy mortar, but I don't think that was in World War II. Yeah. That, what, was it, was, that wasn't really a thing, was it? No. Just the spigot. Well, the the spigot, but that's that's a different animal all by itself. I don't. Yeah, for sure. I don't think they were used enough that it would be worth making rules for them. Let's go with that. Well, they had the one that was on the train. Well, well that should be an artillery piece. I mean, yeah. the eighty-eight. I think fires an indirect four-inch HE, doesn't it? It's also no, an artillery a, piece. It's right. three-inch. Yeah. It's three-inch. Right. I think I think they got to the point where anything bigger than a heavy is probably needs a chassis of some sort anyway. So they just went to artillery at that point. Yeah, uh, or vehicles because you can't yeah. not talk about the Sturm Tiger with its big ass three hundred eighty, I think millimeter, yeah. rocket mortar on it. Because <laughs> yeah. um, uh, from a from the standpoint of uh, something being classified as a mortar, uh, isn't that like a crew carried weapon? Yes. For it to be a mortar? Okay. Uh, let's let's leave it at that for simplicity's sake, yes. Okay. In the, game <laughs> of some, bolt, some in the game of bolt action, yes. Yeah. There's there's more definitions that only matter to rivet counters. It's not really important for the game. Okay. What was the other one I heard? Rivet counters and seam sniffers. Seam sniffers. That sounds, that? That sounds dirty. That, that sounds, sounds way dirtier, yeah. sounds like, yeah. just like, uh, well, Civil War stuff didn't have, like, rivets. Rivets. Oh, so they, oh. they call them seam sniffers, I guess. That's See, awful. I thought that'd be the sign in New Orleans, you know, watch out for pickpockets, loose women, and seam sniffers. I heard that in Sounds of Battle, and I, I about fell out of my chair laughing. <laughs> I mean, can we, can, we, can we call them button counters yeah, instead? Yeah, I like, like buttons. <laughs> like, they got a lot of buttons back then. They had a lot well, of coats with buttons It's pretty on. fancy or, um, polionics. How about a button aficionado? Or like a stitch. <laughs> yeah. A stitch counter. Stitch counter? Stitch yeah. counter, yeah. Yeah, seam sniffer just sounds... <laughs> yeah. Inappropriate. There's something it's else hysterical. going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'd be like it's a different instead podcast. of instead of rivet counters or exhaust tuffers or something. Like, it sounds weird. <laughs> exhaust tuffer should be the steam. Exhaust thing, huffer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They're they're uh, oh they're God. the Gaslands guys or the exhaust tuffers. Uh, Esau Paul has now seen three of the nine uh, remaining Resist. tigers. Yeah, I could see him. Fire! Fire this baby up! <laughs> yeah. Get behind it and see him trying to climb into it. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the picture where they were uh, fences are just in a suggestion and climbed yes. over it and were standing on top? It was that a tiger? Or was that's that a panther? That's a tiger. That was a tiger. That's okay. A tiger, yeah. so and to be fair, a... that and to be fair, that fence really did look like a suggestion. Oh yeah, for sure. It was like a snow fence. So we got a couple of buddies are uh, across the sea in France. Yeah. Around, yeah. yeah, they're traveling to okay. France, and one of them is coming with us. 
to to Ireland in like 17 days. days. Like he's, the funny thing is, is you look at that picture and you're like, where is the picture being taken from? And you're like, oh, wait, the guy's sitting on the barrel. Yeah. He's like climbed up the barrel and was like just, you know, crotching and taking a shot from the end of the barrel, yep. was, which is kind of funny. Just want to feel the power between his legs? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I super. I thought that it was hilarious when I saw those guys were doing that trip because that's almost exactly what I'm doing after after Cork. <laughs> nice. We're yeah. going almost nice. exactly where they're going. So yeah. like, oh, Just sure. doing the beaches and stuff? Uh, yeah. But you should retake the pictures that they, they did, too. I should. I should. Did <laughs> your wife just take the same pictures? Just take the same picture. I can just Photoshop my wife's head onto Paul's body. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send I, don't think it'd be a, I don't think he would find it. I'll give him a framed copy of that. Oh, he'd love it. <laughs> yeah, you would. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> no, that would be fun. But yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I saw those pictures, and I was like, dang, man, they're doing some cool World War II history buff stuff there. We'll, have to, we'll have to try to make exhaust, exhaust huffer uh, thing. <laughs> if, we start a, if we start a Gaslands uh, podcast, we can do that. <laughs> That'd be perfectly good for that. Or that, that would be, uh, what the hell was the Mad Max? Fury Road? Yeah, Fury Road. What did they spray themselves with? What was that called? You know what I'm talking I, about I when they're spraying themselves, <laughs> spraying themselves in the face with the silver. I, I can't remember what they called that shit. Chrome. I don't. I don't know what they called it, but like, oh man, it was kind of. There's a hell of a good review on Amazon. It's really deep tangent here for a, a, a cooking spray on silver like that, and like all the reviews are screaming <laughs> out things like "witness me" and you know. It does, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like it's like cake frosting yeah, spray, right? Yeah. Like you cover, yeah, cover your cake in silver shit, yep. and people are spraying it in their faces. <laughs> uh, that, I remember that was a trend for a little while. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so were there any other thoughts we had on mortars before we run to take a break or some kind of thing? I'm going to throw a thought um, out there for American players out there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this. Don't. I almost always take a, an inexperienced medium mortar rather than a light mortar in an American army because it's not going to be a small team as a light mortar, and that takes away some of its value to me. Agreed. And yeah. the medium mortar just punches above its weight more often than not. So that's, that's Jeff's nugget of wisdom for you. Um, for American players, the, for American players specifically, yeah. the heavy yeah. mortars do they still have three man teams? Four, four, four man teams. Four man teams, so they can't be sniped off. Then. Yeah, they can. No, they're still, yeah, they're still, still a team can, weapon. Do they still have? Yeah. Are they still a team weapon? Yes. Yep. Yeah, uh, everything still, is still the they're same. They're still team so, and fixed. Not great. Yeah. Well, all these mortars are team weapons. <laughs> I, um, I just thought for some reason in my brain again, probably because of a different version of a different game, that extra man uh, meant that it. It, it, it doesn't go into the artillery slot, but it stopped it from being a team weapon. But that's not. I wish case. it did. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here is Rick's nugget. If your inexperienced mortar gets prep bombarded and has two pins on it, and you fail your rally check, <laughs> stay down next time, yeah. dumb shit. Yeah. Just take the keep the dice out of the bag. Go down. And, yep. And recover. And you, then you. Pins. Yep. Just yep. Exactly. Always, always go for that auto recover. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. which is why I'm, dice I'm telling myself in the in the past. Yeah, which is why dice advantage can be really important, especially yep. if you're playing against a preparatory bombardment of some sort. Yep. So, because you you do lose it just that little bit of dice advantage for keeping the, the dice out of the bag, but yep, right. So I, you know, I I I realized it after the fact. I was like, I, I did it two turns in a row, and I was like, I'm going to leave those down, and then I picked the dice up, and I was like, damn it, and I'm like <laughs> I'm getting to the middle of the round, and then I'm like. Shit, I was supposed to leave those down. Rick, what are you doing? Maybe you should leave like, yourself a little, <coughs> put a post-it note on it or something on it. 
something, anything. Just, just mid round, just uh, super glue your the down face to the table. Take the dice, just super glue it right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> what What I'll do next time is I'll put like a red pin marker on top of it, on top of the dice, so I remember like, oh yeah, I'm supposed oh, yeah. to leave that down. Yeah, you know, whatever. So, yeah, something. I have two color pins now, so I can figure out some or, you know, method. Put a and then you have to remember what you figured out. But if I, yeah, but normally I can trigger my own memory pretty well if I can just, like, if I have some reminder, right? Because as you're swinging through, you're picking up all your dice. Sometimes you, like, don't remember I'm supposed to, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to keep that one down. Like, because I'm picking, I'm trying to make sure I have 16 dice or whatever I have left. Well, but. just for the unit marker, bring a mousetrap and just set the dice on the armic thing. You'll, you'll know how to <laughs> grab it. <laughs> there we go. That's the answer. All right. Mousetrap. Not. Snapchat. Yes, put a, <laughs> I'm thinking mousetrap the game where the guy jumps into the little bucket. Oh, yeah. And never, yeah, comes yeah you mean the know. contraption that never worked? Yeah, yeah. You had to you had to kind of coerce it into helping. How many people actually went can. through and played the game and built it by moving across the squares oh, versus just no, setting no, it up? No, no, no. I mean, I think we played it that way once, and then we realized, no, it's a horrible dumb, game. Yeah. We'll just make a cool contraption and be done with it. That never worked. No. But whatever. Anyway, I I have no other thoughts other than that I like pie plates and. When they land, they can be devastating. I like things that go boom in the night. Yeah. Generally the speaking, the first shots where they're hitting me on a six, I will typically not go down except for rare circumstances. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would agree. Except if you like, okay, if my models are where I want them, yes, that's and they're the not really doing anything. Like they're standing on the objective. Okay, why would I not go down? Right. Like, there's no negative for me going down. Other down than maybe I'm not going to shoot. Attacks, or yeah. If you yeah. know that there's an attack coming, you're planning to come down for anyway, you know, yep. edge your bets. Well, well there's lots <laughs> of, yeah, go ahead. So there's, um, there are a few opportunities where mortars, uh, a, a mortar hit will have maximal effect. Yep. Um, late in the first round. So after your opponent has activated and they don't have the opportunity to go down. Yep. Um, uh, if you're a patron of the podcast for long enough you get these sweet dice and the six um, has a red star painted on it by Rick and when you roll that dice and th- it ends up showing that you know my opponent I can see them deflate <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right it's, it's, it's a pretty significant psychological thing that happens in that moment and as it's rolling and it's tumbling across the table and you see that red flash by everybody's watching that and then when it lands it's just such a psychological impact yep. because you put that pie plate down, you hit six guys, you kill five of them, and then it's yep. like, yep. oh, man. And so then you want to activate late in that first round after everybody's moved and they don't have the opportunity to go down. Um, and Or they've already moved forward, and if you miss on the six, then you get that early advance next time and you're hitting on a, f- a five and a six. So then, you know, those odds start rolling around in your favor. I mean... It's always, it's just a mortar, it's a six, then it's a five, or whatever the case may be. So you're never really counting on it. But when right. that hits, it has a huge impact. Yep. And for 35 points, if it's an experienced or a medium, or 50 points if it's a medium regular, I mean, that that can swing that first third of the game pretty significantly. So. Yep. I have, a, I have a general rule of thumb that's a caveat to that for going down, is I've learned to respect my sixth sense, and I think to myself, if this on a six mortar shot would fucking wreck my game, uh, like this is the worst possible thing that could happen, I go down because <laughs> yeah, that's I, I guarantee that's what's going to happen. Because so. it will happen. Because it will happen. Yeah, I remember. Yep. I remember a game against Dale long ago where he brought the Katusha out, and I was like, 
Uh, yeah, he can't hit that many things. It's like only three or four units, and then he fucking blew them all off the yep. table. I was like, yeah, like that's the worst possible thing that could happen, yep. and it happened. Yep. I'm not sure I could have actually gone down in that scenario. I don't remember, but it was awful. It felt painful. Yeah. Respect your instincts. You rolled those stupid red stars. Yep. Which, in, in, in or, uh, inversely, it really sucks when you roll your morale, your order check and you see the stupid red stars, too. Oh, yeah. It deflates you pretty quick, too. <laughs> as, as it turns out. I think it rolled two foobars against you, Pat? Yes. Two? Three? Two? I think it was two. Two, and it failed a plethora of order checks as well. So, yep. two more. Yeah, two, uh, the two, uh, the, uh, two foobars were great. <laughs> not, not great, actually, but anyway. Um, so mortars, yeah, take mortars. take them. You should always try and take them, even if it's. I mean, a medium, medium inexperienced medium is thirty five points. It's an order dice, and it has it has good effect yep. in a lot of games. Outsized impact. Yep, exactly. Yep, I agree. All right, we're gonna take a short break. Come back, and we'll teach you everything you need to know how to run a tournament mm-hmm. or an event. I mean, in our we'll, opinion, we'll, we'll share with what we know and how and some of the success we've had and some of the pitfalls as well. Yeah, I will just mute my mic and uh, sit back. <laughs> I'll learn from the pros. I'll bring the sexual innuendo. So yeah, I'll, I'll ask questions. All right, all right. Be shortly back. Enjoy the music. I don't know what the hell I was trying to say there, but it's a what I said. I'm probably cutting some of that out. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Be See back you in three in minutes. Stub. Do 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 
some are classics, some are not something you ever want to listen to again. But it wasn't Waltzing Matilda. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, Pat. I was going to give you a pass this week. Thanks. Just saying. You you had to bring it up yourself. Hey, I did put it in. Uh, was it 68 or 69? I think I put it in there. Okay. Uh, that clearly shows that I don't listen to our own episodes. Uh, <laughs> I listen to them now. I'm listening to them now. Like I'm living in the moment, yeah, Pat. Living in real time, baby. Yeah. I, I, no one else gets to do this, unfortunately, because I would want everyone here anyway. Um because we couldn't edit ourselves out. Can you imagine that, people? That we actually do take some stuff out? Uh, anyone that was sitting around at Operation Jesus Snafu. Christ, yeah, they got the full <laughs> year of that. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, that was yeah, that was that was an interesting one. It was actually pretty good. It, it, it ended well. up being very good. Yeah. And I will and I will say now I've even upgraded our equipment, so now we will maybe not ever have that problem again. Just saying. Cool. Because we won't rely on a computer anymore. In while well, while recording, we won't rely on a computer. So there you go. Not to tease or spoiler or to commit anything or promise anything to our listeners. Um, are we going to try to record it at the WTC? I am bringing equipment to record. Okay. So there will be a setup with six microphones. Um. So yeah, we will we will have stuff with wow, us unless for some reason T that'll be what the episode's called for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna have two yeah. meanings because we'll all be shit faced and we'll probably have performed like shit. <laughs> Theoretically, I mean, or we'll be riding high yeah. and people will be trying to be sh- shit faced anyway, and you'll be preventing us from doing that. No, right? I, I won't. That's I'm okay. not gonna do oh, that. No, you should you should keep me in check for sure. Please, I, I won't do. have to, Rick. You'll be fine. No, I should be. Fine. <laughs> um, you've seen me at tournaments before. I've been a I've been a mess at tournaments before. We'll just have to we'll just have to break you Wednesday night so you don't want to drink the rest of the week. Oh my god, that sounds like a horrible choice. Just tongue over the whole week. I, d- I distinctly remember you walking by the window outside. <laughs> I couldn't figure out if you couldn't figure out how to get back into the hotel. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't figure. <laughs> I just I just drank and spit because I totally forgot about that. But I definitely couldn't figure out how to get back into. Yeah, bed. because you you know when you drink you like I to went go the wrong outside way. and I'm, I'm watching them. Rick goes by. Rick goes by. <laughs> oh God. Definitely, definitely walked the wrong way. I should have gone the other direction, and definitely was a little. I mean, thankfully it was not too cold no, outside. Too so, yeah, it's going to be nice in yeah. Ireland too. So, sixties, yeah. I mean, that's that was horrible. Today, it'll be like today. So, yeah, today was beautiful. Um, yeah, welcome to running a tournament like the Snafu dudes do, right? But like, not me though. Well, this we'll is going well out. so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. All right. <laughs> let's let's break it down here. So when you're running an event, what are the things you need to do, Pat? Well, first you need to understand your role and your responsibilities as the organizer. Um, <clears throat> and that is, you know, you're setting up and determining what type of lists are going to be there, what the point value is going to be, uh, kind of who your target group that you want to bring in is, you know, are you, are you looking for, for new players? Are you looking for, you know, the knockdown drag out? Are you looking for fun? Are you looking for, you know, narrative type stuff? That's your responsibility to do that and to uh, get information out on a platform that people can sign up. Uh, if you have an email or um, a Facebook page or something that you want to use that people can sign up for events, uh, get questions to you, uh, 
get their information down, take their email, keep them advised of everything that's going on in the situation, tell them when lists are due, what books are going to be used. So you, that's that's your responsibility, as well as organizing the day of, uh, making sure things are going smoothly throughout the day, that you have a schedule set up, uh, you're keeping scores in the way that you had promised, and setting up the matchups and also the way you had promised. Those are your responsibilities. That's a yep. whole lot of responsibilities, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's quite the endeavor now, and a lot of it is very much front loaded. Okay. And yeah, the, for the sure. day of is yeah. generally fairly relaxing. It's so long as you've done that, right? You, and your feet don't this. hurt. Your feet and back don't hurt as yeah. much as the players. Ah, uh, I disagree at Snafu, but that's a lot of walking around anyway. Um, I, and I guess you get to sit. You get to sit more than the rest of us did. I was running that stupid uh, box of resin around everywhere. That was pretty great. That was that was the Vanna White of our snap this year, just so bringing bringing prize supports to people. And then, did you do on the day of? You are the ultimate judge on any rules disputes that come up. Whether you are right or wrong, you get to make the decision on how that is being played in that instance. If players try and get it right, though, well, absolutely, yeah. But you know, I mean, that's that's your that's again one of your, your responsibilities in there is to be familiar enough with the rules that you, if someone has a question, that you can fairly quickly get them an answer, whether it's you looking at the book or, you know, tell them no, that's not in that section, it's in this section, have you checked the FAQ. Um, being familiar with the FAQ and the rules is, is I'm not going to say a must, but it's pretty high up there. Should have it, you should have it with you at least. It's definitely yes. helpful. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and there is some prudence to, like, speed of the game, so if you have to reference three books and stand on your left foot and then reference three sentences in three different sections, then maybe you should just make a ruling and move on. And it's um, also okay to make a ruling to keep the game flow going. And if right. players have said, oh, you know what, in this turn we played it this way, okay, then you guys need to play it that way for the rest of the game. But here, right. let them know that here, this is the way it should be played. And, you know, moving forward, next game, they'll, they'll get that correct. And it's also okay yeah. to make a decision and make just to keep the game moving and be wrong. But then, you know, later, later before the next round, try and meet up with those players. Go, hey, you know what? This is what I said. That's how you played it. That's fine. But it turns out it actually says this. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. If you get the rule, if you if you make a ruling and you're not sure, you should definitely go sit back down and try and find the rule and make sure you understand it after the fact. Because a, it may come up again, and b, you you do you don't want to lead them astray even if you change the game that one time. Yep. Makes sense. Makes perfectly good sense. Mm-hmm. So as far as setting up, the biggest thing is picking a date. Pick a date you're available. That's that's probably the that's first. Pretty thing. important. Yeah, I mean, usually you, you want to be there. Uh, if you're doing one day things, it generally Saturdays work best for most people's yep. working lives that have you know the mundane nine to fivers. Um, you can check with your with your your gaming stores. You know they might have enough space that they can set something up. Uh, you can check with. Hotels, then you're probably looking at a higher cost for entry fee because that was generally a little more expensive to do. So let's talk about venue then. Um, you got to have one. You got to play someplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, um, 
I have seen tournaments play at a park before. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a venue, but it's it's a little bit unconventional compared to. Um, it was um, usually right. There, it was. Yeah, um, usually that's that's. The it was an open it. air structure at the park. It wasn't just like yeah, someone fair. threw yeah. a bunch of tables out in the middle of a grassy field and played. Right, so. <laughs> and and it had and it, it's kind of it was a beautiful setup because it had an outdoor area that they could play on, but it also had an indoor area. If the weather got horrible, they could get inside mm-hmm. and be in a. It would be slightly more compact, but it's a great resource if you're looking for a weird place that you have never thought of doing it as sometimes parks have good places like that anyway um yeah also you know you can do your your local gaming stores you know uh, yeah. if they have an open enough playing area that you can get you know if you can get five tables i mean that's 10 players you can have for a one-day event that's great um you can it's a great place to start uh mm-hmm. local vfws or legions if they have yep. uh, usually fairly inexpensive halls to rent yep. um you can not do, Hotel conference room is if you're going creme de la creme or doing, you know, being part of a, a larger um, convention. I think we've heard of airport hangars and museums being yep. used as well. Yeah, you yep. can look for like a World War II museum. Mm-hmm. They definitely almost frequently have space. Um, they're usually eager to have people come in and visit, so it's a great way fees, to get that. These might be higher because they, you know, might require some other things. So, I mean, you got to let your players know, hey, you know, it's three games, it's one day, but it's 55 bucks because... Yeah. The, they're expecting this, you know. So you have to work that into your cost and let your players decide that too. Yeah, and, you know. Would, sorry, that would be my tip. Don't just eat the cost yourself. Absolutely not. You yeah. should never. There should not be, like, should it, it should never be a losing endeavor. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's supposed to be a money maker either. Like, don't expect to make any money doing this. No. It's not the goal, right? Like, you're 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 improving the hobby, but you're not. You're going to get glory in other ways. You're going to get high fives and. You know, maybe someone will buy you a beer. Gratitude to the players. People generally yep. buy you a beverage if you want. Yep. So, uh, one of the nicer things about doing some of the local gaming stores is they might give you store credit that you can use for prize support. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is or products nice. or, or just product. straight a product. Yeah. Yep. They 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 might do something like that, and they might not. And if you know that you have to get the, you know, we'll, we'll talk about good ways to get prize support towards the end here. But you have to kind of figure in what your cost of the event is going to be based on size and what you actually have to pay for the space and what you have to pay for some prizes. Because people like to have prizes. For, for sure. The, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, good good game stores will recognize that having 10 more people in their store on a Saturday is good for business. So they, you know, might cut you a deal or not even charge you for the space. Especially if they on. have food. Right, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. If they're a restaurant, too, or have some type of food, or yeah. even, shit, I don't have a problem paying a buck for a beverage or, like, a soda when I'm at a when I, at a tournament. So, right. you know, kicking back to the store is not a problem then, in most cases. Then, you know, cases. you might end up picking up something there, which is kind of what they're usually counting on. I mean, that's usually encouraged behavior, right, is if you're going to play in a store, maybe shop in the store a little bit, mm-hmm. patron yep. them a little bit. It's not yep. a bad thing. As a player and as a tournament organizer, like, right. don't... Okay, so they don't give you price support. Don't go buy it on Amazon and then bring it in. Like you should still try and buy it at the store to try and encourage the store. You know, maybe next time they'll give you a deal. And I mean, you're supporting the place that you're playing at, right. which is yeah. kind of yep. you know, yeah, yeah. It's um, I like game stores in general because again, they also typically have tables that suit are suited for a four by six um, mat. Environment, yes. yeah, yep. right. Because that's that's the other tricky part about a hotel conference room is you have to make sure they have the right tables, and sometimes it's a pain in the ass. I remember that with our with our hotel setup. Sometimes it's 
you got to like make sure they give you the right tables or you get kind of wonky setups in general. Yeah. Something to consider. Yep. Being able to have space, lay it out, talk, talk with whoever you're getting the space from and what your plans are and, you know, get, and from there you can kind of, you can kind of figure out what size tournament you're going to be able to have. If you're going to be able to have 10 players, 24 players, um, you know, that, that type of thing. And I'd mentioned this a little bit before, but you also want to, um, determine if you want a competitive, a narrative, friendly, or, you know, something just for new players, what exactly the type of tournament you want to have, and make <clears> sure you're conveying that to prospective players before people sign up. Yep. That, um, that, that's one of the most important in my mind from a player perspective. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you used to being a super competitive player and, you you know, you, you take people down constantly and you run the nastiest, gnarliest lists and... You see something being advertised, hey, new players to bolt action, less than a year, come play. Don't sign up for that. You're just going to ruin three people's days. Yeah, or, or you know, force yourself to play something fluffy. You can do yeah, it. I'm going to take a 10-order ten, ten dice German list with no tiger fear or anything super scary. Like, that's, that's fine. Just... It's not even about pulling your punches. It's about bringing maybe the less than sub... Like, a little bit suboptimal list, maybe, which... I. Bring, bring punches, something fun. It doesn't have yeah. to be like yeah. you know, honed to a razor's edge. You can bring the baseball bat. Bring, <laughs> bring, bring your fun attitude too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bring, bring your your teaching mentality. Well, to, yeah, to especially, in a especially new, if you're doing yeah. a new players tournament. Yeah. You know, you want these yeah. people to enjoy the game, even if you beat them badly. You want them to have learned some stuff and maybe picked up some tips from you. And you know, uh, and if you are the new player and you do come up against the hard, not competitive guy. Don't let that one guy ruin it. But, I mean, we're getting more into what it means to be a player. As a TO, yeah. maybe how how best in your experience, Pat, So as a, as a TO, do you encourage uh, that? Um, if you are doing a, a more new players list um, and someone turns in that, that razor's edge, you have the right to reject it and say and let them know that, hey, this is this is not the, what we're going for here. If you could maybe, you know, take some, some like Rick said, take some subprime choices uh, you know, we're, we're really trying to encourage new players in the community. Don't. This is not the list we're looking for. On the other hand, if you have a newer player who has submitted a list and you're like, okay, it's a legal list. Um, how new that, are you to bolt action? That's about yeah. all it's got is it's a legal list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is to, legal. <laughs> how new are you to bolt action? And is this – I've often asked the question, um, do you have other models available? And like, what do you mean? Like, well, you know, it's, it's a decent list. Um do you do you mind? Do you mind? You know, this is going to be a competitive event. Do you, can I give you some advice on your list? If it's a newer player, you can do that. Um, if it's within the spirit and type of what you're doing, but if you're doing a competitive list, all you can tell them is that this list is legal or it's not. Right? Do you do you, do you title it Seal, comma Dear Seal, comma? <laughs> <laughs> so when I did Theaters of War, I knew that a majority of the players were new. In fact, half of them that signed up at, at first were new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I sent them a, a survey just to kind of gauge where their experience was, what they were looking for from it, and, and, and things of that nature, just so I could understand. Because, you know, it when half the field's new players to the game or, you know, coming out of the pandemic and, you know, hadn't played an actual tournament uh, just to kind of gauge what their expectations were going to be and sure. maybe help them understand what the expectations might be. Yep. And, you know, and that's that's something that you can do, again, depending on what type of tournament you are actually doing. Yeah. 
you could almost call it not a tournament in that case too though you could call it like a game day like if, if you're gearing towards newer players maybe not using the word tournament might make things easier even if you're giving out prizes and stuff like having a game day might be it's still an event still needs a TO has all the same things it just maybe is a little bit less off-putting to some so something to consider I don't see this in your uh, in your your uh, outline here Pat but another thing to consider about venue or and or tables is you gotta have enough you have to have enough terrain to do this mm-hmm. now yeah. now a new player or a new TO may not have enough but I don't think we've never run into a situation where players have not come forward and said hey I have a table I'd be willing to let you use right. so you don't be afraid if you're a new TO to not reach out to players and ask them to bring boards. And the community in general, especially around here, will be happy to. I don't think I've ever seen a... a I, I can't imagine any community has a problem with people that have... There might be no tables, right? And maybe nobody has any bolt-action tables yet, mm-hmm. but like, if someone has a table, they're more than willing to bring it in. I don't think I've ever seen anyone not say, like, ah, I'm not going to bring my shit in. Right. Even if you can get them to bring, if you can get half your players to bring one table of terrain, you're set. Yeah, and um, something to consider if you are new and you want, and you have to get tables in, you know, offering some kind of a prize for best table or something like that to to encourage them to bring them in is kind of another way of kind of neat way of seeing people do it. You know, encouraging encouraging cool tables, and then also on top of that, rewarding the players that bring them in. But don't win don't win your own tables. Well, right. Take, no, take yeah, your, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're the TO, you're not. Okay. You shouldn't win any prizes at your own tournament? Yes, right. That, right. that is absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing. It's like you, a TO <laughs> is a very humble position, but you shouldn't be winning any prizes yourself. Um, you know, as much as I would love to win some of our raffle prizes, we're mm-hmm. not eligible to win any of them. Yeah. Unfortunately. Much to my chagrin. Uh, try having them sit around for a month and just. Oh, dude, I can't imagine. Going, dude, I have to give all this stuff away. Yeah, he's like, read all the books. Have been pre-read by Pat. No, no I don't I, actually. I yeah. never practice buying anything that's given away. No, I, I don't. I know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, then again, we, we kind of talked about what the entry fee is uh, based on what you're doing and what your costs are. Yeah. And, and Rick said it best: is you know, don't put yourself down a couple hundred bucks to run a tournament. No. It's, you're already going to be doing that with terrain. In in the reality is, it's like you're. You know, what was what's invested in terrain is often not recouped in tourney fees right away. Maybe over time, you maybe you can inch some of it out. But I mean, the reality is, is you have that terrain. It's it's, it's part of your hobby budget. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's yours to keep at the end of it. So that's not really something you can consider. You know, who the hell needs as many tables as Pat and Jeff have? But you know, people that do. run tournaments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. right. That's the only reason why you'd have them. But now, now you have a stockpile of stuff to offer other TOs if they want it in your area, right? Mm-hmm. Not, you know, Pat and I, for Pat or Pat and Jeff are not the ones that always run tournaments, but maybe they would, we would be able to lend our tables to some other events if yeah, they were even if we're, even if we're not going to end up being there. Yeah. Right. But it, it just makes life easier. I mean, I know I remember doing that with, like, Infinity long ago. Like, the, the tournament organizer would drive by my house and just pick up my table on the way to the tournament. You know, like, you would come and grab my stuff on the way out because he knew that he needed more tables and I had one so yep. and I was more than willing to offer it to him so yep. um, yeah so your, your, your crowdsourcing on that is, is where to get that stuff 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, and I will say about entry fee, you have to kind of take into consideration what other tournaments roughly run, right? Like 20, 25 bucks for a one day tournament is usually kind of reasonable. Like to Pat's point earlier, you kind of have to have, you know, you got to tell people what it's kind of going towards a little bit. You know, some people I've seen 25 person, $25 tournaments and like we're offering pizza for lunch, you know, or whatever. But you just have to make sure that you're not trying to overcharge people. I right. feel like you, it's not you a know, money grab. It's, it's not intended to be a money grab, even if it isn't. And you're like, hey, I'm trying to, you know, this is my first tournament. We need to, we need to kind of build up the coffer a little bit. And it's 30, fine, I guess. But um, you'll, I, you'll see that as you, as you price your economics as to how many players you get versus the amount you charge. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, for sure. Yes, you'll lose players at 35 if you don't kind of follow the standard. And sometimes it's, Sometimes you have to charge what you know is right, appropriate for the t- for the amount of time that you're playing, and then you have to kind of backfill what you're going to be able to to pay for, to some right. degree, right? So, like you got 200 bucks to spend, and you have to spend 150 on the room. Unfortunately, that means you know price support is a little bit lighter. Hopefully, the hopefully wherever venue you're at is kicking back somehow too, though. So, so my general rule is five dollars per game, plus the split of the venue. Sure, that's a good metric. Yeah. So I mean, if if it's you know, two hundred bucks for the venue, and you know you can get sixteen players, you know, divide that out, and then you know add roughly five bucks a game, round up, round down, whatever. Because usually that that fifteen bucks ahead is going to get you, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks that you can then get prize support if you want to get awards, you know, plaques or something like that. You can get those. Yep. Um, that's, that's kind of pay for the printing and everything else, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. All things to consider is yeah. That's another thing to consider is that printing player packs. We'll get into the player pack in a minute, but there are printing things you have to print. You have to print stuff. So or and it's ought not. To, I hear. Yeah, ought to. Yeah, um, yeah. Definitely been tournaments where they don't print stuff, and that's a little bit wonky too. But that you know that's not free unless I guess you're printing it at work. But don't get fired over a bolt action tournament. Um, you know, or you, or I guess you print at home, but I would never use my. That's not free or, either. Yes, yeah, not yeah. That's very not free. Just offsetting costs at mm-hmm. later date. But I don't think I would ever use my laser at home to do that printing. I send it out, and you know, twenty bucks. But I we print a shit ton of kill a lot of trees for Snafu. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, it is what it is. But we um, we provide a lot of toys to kids. So we do. Well, our players and, do. And we Our recycle. Do, yeah. I think we yeah. typically recy- recycle. Yeah, and that's the thing too. If you know that the entry fee, also consider you know if you are have a charity that's near and dear, and you want you know everybody to donate five bucks to whatever, you can include that in. But again, like Jeff said, let them know well, that's why you're doing it, why the cost is yeah. more than what should be expected. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes expected. you don't have to include that, but telling people that hey, we're going to do a thing for this is enough to usually get people to be generous, and people that can't can't like that's okay too. Yep. Um, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I do like it when people do charity type things. I don't like it when people do, hey, give ten bucks to the charity, and I'll give you a reroll in every game type kind of shenanigans. Like, that's that's my least favorite thing because that's that's don't, a, don't get me started on the reroll. Yeah, this is, <laughs> <laughs> don't do things nah, to incentivize poor. Yeah, don't don't incentivize things like that for poor play mechanics. Uh, or yeah, yeah. Or giving advantages to players that have donated to things because that's that's gross. Don't do that. Right. But getting started with your own first tournament, hopefully you're not going that route anyway. 
just saying don't go crazy the first time. Take it easy. Right? Yes. Straightforward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a little, too, not not too much pizzazz yet. It, it can be simple. Just and run then something. When, you know, when you're executing the day, you you make mistakes. That's fine. Own up to it. Everyone makes mistakes. It's, it's yeah. fine. It's okay to yeah. make mistakes. Just hopefully you're not making the same one over and over again. But you know, that's fine. Yeah, most yeah. people will show for two, <clears throat> three times in a row that have the same mistakes. Right. Typically, maybe twice. Which get away is twice. A reason you should always ask for feedback after your tournament. That is also a very reasonable thing to do. Is like, hey, what did I do well? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And well, if that, you got everything wrong, it's okay. Well, you're just going to have to figure out what, how to fix it. Yep. Sometimes in passive aggressive environments like <clears throat> where we are, people might not directly tell you to your face if something was bad, but they'll sure <laughs> as hell talk about it somewhere else and maybe put it on a form if they don't got to put their name on it. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, a nameless survey monkey is uh, still a still a feedback tool. Yep. Yep. It's usually, it's usually probably accurate too. I mean, like most people don't bitch about things that they shouldn't bitch about. No, cool. That's, that's not fair. All right, so the players pack. Oh wow, could be an episode in and of itself. Could be. <laughs> so, the information that should be included in there is uh, this: the players pack is only going to people that have signed up and have paid. By the mm-hmm. way, this is not going out. This is not your advertising pack. That's a little bit different. But the same information that was in the advertising needs to be in the players' pack. You know, where it's at, what the date is, what the schedule is for that for that day or days, um, what the what the legal composition for this tournament is, whatever you decide that will be. And I think we'll we'll touch on that in a bit here. Yep. Um, also include uh, the the awards that you plan on giving out, um, and how you plan on scoring them. Give them a scoring system that you can want to do. Um, and also coming up, we'll talk about there's there's uh, the supporter play from Warlord. There are there are some packs that are supposed to, were supposed to be available last year are supposed to be available in the near future. But um, I'll post those in all of our, our media areas when this episode goes out, and you can always you can always reach out to us. And we, we have those. Um, or I mean, and, and John Russell can get you those as yep, well in the, John in the North America. Warlord, North yep. America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Walker also has these as well. Yep. If you're if you're across the seas. Yep. So either one of those two guys, and you can always send it to, oh, what is it? Well, you can even send it info Warlord Games directly, and they'll they'll pass down where it needs to go. Com- but is it competitive play competitive, at Warlord? Yeah. Competitive play at Warlord or something. I think like that's that. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I reach out to your North American rep, and they'll be able to get, or your respective rep, and they should be able to get it. They yep. should have it already available. And if you don't, you can I can give it to you if you just yep. want to message yep. message me on Discord or Facebook. I, we can certainly get that to you as well. That's very um, easy. Yep. Um, also, what you might want to include, uh, what I often include, is some frequently asked questions that aren't necessarily covered in the official frequently asked questions yep. uh, that people get uh, that you have answered. You know, I mean, because they'll have you'll have a way of communicating with email or however you decide to communicate. Um, they're like, hey, you know, I'm reading this in your compositions. Does this mean I can use this unit? And when you respond to the player, put it in the pack, update the pack, and you know every week or couple weeks, or definitely two weeks before the tournament, let all the rest of the players, or two weeks before the lists are due, I should say, let all the players know that, hey, these questions have been asked, here's how I'm answering them for this for this tournament. Sure. That's, that's, not, that's a nice to do, that's not a must do. Um, um, what a must do is if you want them to uh, submit lists for approval prior to the, day, the game. Which, which you should absolutely do. 
which you should do. Yes. Yeah. It's, it makes day of so much easier if you have all that stuff figured out already. Tell, tell them what format you are accepting. Um, I know not some, but not all, uh, except the Easy Army. Some people don't really despise that and don't want to see it. Uh, I mean, that it's still viable. It's up to you to decide what format you want to read over. Uh, tell them where they need to submit it, whether that's an email or however, whatever means you want to use, and the date they have to submit it by. And specify yep. a time on that day in the local time zone. Sure. So, so those are the must-haves in the player's pack. Yeah. Uh, I will also throw in there that something nice to have, it's not probably as relevant to Bolt Action, but still is, is date of FAQ, like this is our cutoff for FAQ. Yep, sorry. Yes, What? and that goes with the, the composition. Yeah. What books you're allowing in, what you're disallowing. Mm-hmm. What what the the cutoff date for any new books that come out if you're accepting them or any new FAQs that yep. date should also be in there. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm good for something. <laughs> well, I, you've I you've actually get, read one of my packs. So. I, I know. Well, and I definitely read all your <laughs> packs because I have to put them together after the facts. So, like you guys will write them all, and I will digest them and make them into something uh, worthy of snafu, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not changing the words. I'm just making it prettier. Trying to make it prettier. Got to get that lipstick on the pig, right? That's that's my job. It's my only job. Make it make it pretty. Mm-hmm. You always pick the right shade of lipstick, Rick. Thanks. Yeah, I, I try. I try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So um, other sources out there, especially if you're new, uh, like we mentioned, the Warlord has these has these different. They have a tournament pack, um, which uh, kind of goes over what supported play is um, they talk about we, we've talked about you know their bronze level silver level gold level different events mm-hmm. uh, the requirements for that and kind of some expectations that you can have doing that uh, they do also cover the basics and what's main, basically the stuff that we had talked about um, they have an event guideline which talks a lot of stuff but it's in writing that you can you know it's a good reference for you if you haven't done this before Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we talked about the play style. Um, you know, is this a beginner, advanced type of stuff? Uh, they've also got a, a referee handbook, which is my god, helping fourteen pages long of how to deal with every possible situation that can come up, from all the way from uh, uh, saying, "Hey, dude, you guys, you've been on that order dice for like five minutes. You need to keep it up." You know, doing what you can do for people who are slow playing. If you issue them warnings. You know, I'd, I I don't know if you want to run around with this, the, the the football or soccer yellow card red card thing and stand in front of them and give them a yellow card or something. But <laughs> it's almost what it says. What pops in my head when I'm reading through this, like stand in front of them, flash that yellow card, and make them shamed. You know, that that I don't think that's what they mean. No, but. no, all I can think of is someone laying out, like holding their knee, faking an injury, and you're throwing out a yellow card <laughs> at a bolt action table. It's like he got me. So and they they do talk in, in this pack is like I said we'll we'll make it available through all of our available channels and we told you how you yep. can get it otherwise it's really nice good information for you to just kind of read over and know kind of what you're getting into and how to start to handle some of the muckier waters which I don't see in any of our community but I have heard horror stories about yeah. players disputes and you know when you can go back and you can take points away from somebody after the fact because of their behavior they even cover like you know violence 
what to do in those cases. Oh gosh, that sounds awful. So like, yeah, right. It's, people, it's, let's all be nice to each other and not have to deal with that. It's fairly encompassing. Uh, it talks about dealing with people, slow players. You know, and you, you need to be just kind of observing the game a little bit before you come over and you know, make a decision. Uh, it, it, it covers and kind of what to do. It's, it's kind of nice to kind of give you some support of you know, okay, when I have to be the bad guy and really enforce some serious stuff, what do I mm-hmm. do? Um, it even covers witnessing cheating and what you can, what you should be doing after that. Uh, covers theft. Jeez. Right? Like, this is very robust. Comprehensive. 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 Yes. Comprehensive. There we go. Yeah, um, I think Paul and John did a really good job on this document. Thankfully, you probably don't have to memorize this section because hopefully it doesn't happen. But hopefully you have your, your referee packet with you when you're running a tournament. Uh, another side effect of this is if you in- use this tournament pack and you reach out to them, they maybe give you prize support depending on your level of commit, like yeah. level player count. Right? Yep, we'll, we'll cover that in the prize oh, support. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> sorry, getting ahead of myself here. That's okay. We, we are nothing or not linear. <laughs> we, we, are, we are the Doctor Strange of linear. <laughs> All so, right. That's that's kind of what the Warlord Games Pack has and what your player pack should have. Uh, and what the player's pack shouldn't have um, after sign-up before lists are submitted is the scenarios. Yep. You can give them... You could say, hey, you know, it could be any scenarios from the book. It could be any scenarios. That, again, we go back to the Warlord Support and Play. There's 12 scenarios in there, not all of which many agree with. Mm-hmm. But they are in there. You can pull from them. You can write your own if you really want to. Don't play recommend that. Play test them first. Yep. I don't okay. recommend that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not a good way to make friends if you're like, I'm making new scenarios and I haven't checked to make sure they actually work and then changing them day of or during the turn or whatever. Like, don't, don't or, do that. Or suddenly finding out what you thought was an awesome idea your players can't figure out because they're, you know, monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, or, less, yeah. or you wrote a scenario and forgot something and, and midway through the round you're coming you have to over setting, it to everyone. Out, setting out secondary objectives that no one knew anything about at the beginning of the right. game. Yeah, don't yeah. do shit like that. Unless yeah. unless you're trying to do something wonky like that where uh, like we would do shit like that in a snafu tournament, but people are expecting weird Unexpected. Yeah, they've been forewarned weird things right. are going to happen in a snafu tournament. Right, right. They, it's not that we've decided halfway through that we're going to do it. We've decided this beforehand. Right. Yeah, we've warned you that we're going to fuck around with you. Yes, every, and everything there has been play tested. And, I mean, Jesus, and it, it's Operation yeah. Snafu. What are you expecting? <laughs> and it, yeah, it wasn't an accident. This is everything we do is planned, so yep. we know that we we know what we're doing. Even our I scenarios guess. have tangents. It's true. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, they definitely did in a couple tournaments. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember that objective? They, no, that, you know, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Oh, it's on the next table over now? What? <laughs> it's gone now. Okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. So for scenarios, if you're doing if you're doing uh, a three game, they shouldn't all be just kills or all just objectives. They should have a mix in there, and you should probably have at least one scenario that has an attacker defender. Yeah. And part of that is just to encourage a variety of lists. Yep. Yeah. It helps build a more balanced list. Some lists will do better in certain s- s- scenarios. And yep. You should try to have clear win-lose conditions and draw conditions. Absolutely. Yep. 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 And, you know, if you're going from the, the competitive pack, pack, it has those. The book pack, the book, the book, that's not a pack, it's a book, has those as well. <laughs> so they're all yep. they're all baked in for you. 
you don't have to do a lot of thinking. And you know, if it's your first tournament, just maybe do that. Just don't pick top secret or demolition. Yeah. But, I, and I will say that if it's if it's a or point if it's or battle for the pass, don't <laughs> play short end to short end. Oh god, that's god, awesome. your tournament halls are, are never set up for that. Yeah, Unless no, it's no. hilarious that you do it. You know. Well, it, yeah, it's, no, you it's just do it on the two center tables that make them walk around the whole. Yes, table. yes, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say if you're if you're gearing towards having newer players playing in your tournament, like you're setting up a new player tournament, sending out the scenarios in advance is not the worst thing ever. I'm a fan like, of of providing scenarios as early as possible. Possible. I, I don't mind. I don't mind it for competitive play where they're like it's going to be drawn from these ten scenarios. We don't necessarily know which ten, they, which of the three or five that it's going to be. But having having a set of them, here's a pool of things that we might be playing. Mm-hmm. But for like a newer, tur- like maybe for a newer scenario play or a new player scenario, having them be pretty well defined is not such a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, for me. Um, one of one of my very minor frustrations walking around the tournament hall midway through round two is discovering that we have two or three tables that are playing the scenario wrong. Yes, or because they the wrong they weren't they didn't quite read through it because they're excited to play sure. and kick things off and get started, yep. and yep. and possibly pushing those things out sooner to the players. Um, I mean, our, our our setup is a little bit different because there's stuff that we kind of. Um, spring on the players and the scenarios yep. are, are that so that's not we can't really do that but if if that isn't baked into your tournament um, getting them out to your players in advance allows them to review that whether yep. they do or not obviously but it might mitigate yeah. some of those situations where someone's coming up and, and like what, what is, what's happening here it's like you've had no. this for three weeks Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, something that I have learned from this, because I have some involvement in the TOing, I don't have to do any of the scoring and shit, but we we used to print the packet and staple it all together. It had all the shit in it and everything in it. And what I learned is that giving them only the things they need in the moment is way better for them. So, you know, before the, the, before this, the round, you hand them the one piece of paper that has the one scenario on it, so... Mm-hmm. They are playing the wrong scenario. We've definitely had it where, like, I gave them a packet. This is probably two snafus ago, where I gave someone the packet, and it turns out they were playing the wrong scenario. Yeah. Oh, I, I did that one of my first Adepticons. Uh, yeah. Like because you have all of them in front of you. Yeah. It's easy enough to be like, oh, this is the one we're playing. Yeah. And the opponent goes, yeah. And they flip to the same page, and you're playing that scenario. And then you see everyone else <coughs> scoring, counting yeah. things in sectors. You're like, you had three <laughs> yes. objectives. Why is it taking them so long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is a very like why is why are they playing a different game over there? Yeah, no, so I found that, you know, the player pack that goes out, you don't necessarily have to print it. Having the schedule on, like, a, a pad, you put it in a, a tent, you know, we have the schedule on a big piece of plastic that you can see, and it's on, like, all the tables and stuff. Like, it's very obvious what our schedule is. And then we hand you the piece of paper for the for the round. Here's your scenario. And then halfway through the round, some, one of us would walk around and hand out the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was basically it. Like, you had two pieces of paper... Yeah, you could keep them if you wanted to. I don't care if you kept them, but it was also just it eliminated the the opportunity for messing up. Right, no, it, they still your, messed up scoring. Number but. your tables clearly. Yeah, that helps a lot too, for sure. Yes. Yeah, um, but I just found like just lowest common denominator, everything is as best you can. That doesn't mean treat people like they're idiots, but sometimes just like. But sometimes it means treating people like they didn't read didn't read everything or didn't, didn't follow everything. all your directions. Spoiler yeah, alert: or, players, generally speaking, will not read your pack. 
No. And if you hand them a package of and if you hand them a package of ten scenarios or five scenarios or whatever number your pool is, yep. you're going to run into a situation where someone grabs the wrong thing. Yep. They run, you know, oh it's envelopment, double not double envelopment. Oh crap. Well now now, you know, while it probably doesn't skew the tournament, it doesn't help the tournament either. And so. that's yeah, it's just so much easier to do it the other way. If you're and also if you're doing some things that are somewhat outside of the norm, do them earlier in the day. <laughs> save, save your simple, straightforward scenarios till the end, because um, uh, yeah, people so are going to be tired and more yes. likely to uh, make mistakes. So, yep the the last turn, the last game of the day should be like your dumb, like kill each other tournament meeting, meeting engagement. Yeah. yeah, meeting engagement. Like you're just trying to kill as much shit as you can. That's super great at the end of the day. I love it when tournaments do that because then you don't have to think too hard. Right, especially so. if scoring is such that you know. The more that happens, the more they get points, and there may not even be a winner or loser. Maybe they both can win or something like that. But <laughs> depending upon what you're trying to do, as far as you're all winners, winners, losers. But you know, everyone loves finishing that tournament with a really sweet game. So I think uh, surrounded is the perfect scenario for the last game. Oh God, <laughs> that's, that's probably the primary choice of not the greatest. For not the ever, not ever day. playing that summer. Yeah. Uh, to that point, something that comes up. You know, in a three-player, in a three-round, one-day event, is if you have enough players, you very likely will have some form of a tie, because you can't separate the herd well enough over three games. Yeah, and that's you know, you can either add some of your own secondary objectives, you can use some that you've seen in other tournaments before, um, and then the Warlord Competitive Play Pack talks about Order Dice Killed as being a tiebreaker, which I still think yeah. is a, a horrible tiebreaker, but. It is. It's super obnoxious to right. track over three games, even, but is something to well, and and maybe you don't have to keep track of it yourself as a TO. You definitely would want it on the score sheet at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's, one thing yeah. I didn't put in my outline is that you know how you handle the pairings and how you get people set. Yeah. Um, now I use a magnetic board that has all the players' names on it. I use a label maker because no one has to suffer through my handwriting besides me. And also on that pairings board, I have the scenario that's being played for that round. Um, Which you don't have to be uh, that fancy. Uh, no. Please don't do the, I wrote it down in a notebook and just shout names out as you mispronounce and butcher people's last oh, names. God. No, God, don't, yeah, don't, don't say don't things do like that. Because yeah, then you're all you're going to do is you're going to get people walking up to you and go, what table am I on? And you go, what's your name? And I'm sorry, as a TO, you should really be familiar with your players. Interviews it's, it's hard. That you don't know. It's hard to do, but that's, that's hard. That's the I suck real at it. building. Um, and, but if, and if you are terrible at it, cheat and get those little stupid sticker name tags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say name mm-hmm. tags are okay at a tournament if yes. you don't know people. And, and quite honestly, I, I really like it when they are because, especially if there's intermingling groups that you don't necessarily know each other, having names for those people, not, not even just for me, knowing it as a, as a person that's running a tournament, knowing their names, but like, Opponents knowing each other's names. My least favorite thing to do when I'm playing in a tournament is getting to the end and being writing the score sheet and then not remembering their name and being like, uh, "What's your name again?" Mm-hmm. I, I've I, I people, feel like such an idiot. I've had people walk up to me when they're scoring their favorite opponent after the last round and who go, was the guy? "Who did I play round one?" Because he was my <laughs> favorite, and then I have to go back and look it up for him. You know, that took their time. That took my time. You know. I think in some of our score sheets in the past, we've had a slot where you can write down your game one, you know, a, a sheet that you would keep that had game one, scenario, opponent, you know, and your name, stuff like that. And if we 
we've done that. I think I think one of our first two, and I think we should bring that one back. But that's yeah. also a nice thing. That's you know helps people track what they did throughout the day. Because Jeff had it alluded to that end around three on the same day, you are mentally exhausted. Yep. Yeah, for sure. If not physically, and yeah, it's. And emotionally, for sure, as well. And emotionally, hopefully you had some great ups and downs. You had some fun times. You know, your dice rolled hot, your dice rolled cold. You threw a couple of them away. You, you counted some as MVPs, you know, whatever. That's just kind of all stuff that's happening in the background of day ones. Uh, and if you can, so I mentioned the, the pairings. Um, if you, there's a couple different ways you can go about this. I had mentioned mine. I also mentioned what the worst way is. There's some in-betweens. Mm-hmm. You can get some of those those posted easels are relatively cheap, and you can just write them up there. Uh, you yeah. can get players' names, and you can just drop them on the table so they can look around and look for their name. That's 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 scavenger hunt style. That's no fun. I, I, I'm not saying hunt. I'm not saying these are the most ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, Best coast pairing is supposed to be working with uh, bolt action, if not now in the very near future. Yep. that is probably the creme de la creme. Pretty close. It texts you when it, it texts, texts you, you your table three. number. Yeah, it's pretty slick. And tells you and it gives you the standings. Uh, the gold standard before that, in my opinion, was the you have a printer under your TO table. Yep. And you print four of them and you slap them in northeast, west, south, all the directions. Just uh, gonna walls. mention that if you have those yeah. resources. Yeah, if you have a printer available, the best thing you can possibly do is print them out not just once, but at least twice multiple times, as many times as you think is appropriate for the size of your tournament. And I, I, I think that's the best way, because you can go to a different one, look, okay, I've got my table, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, that was, we went to a tournament that had that, and it was incredible, because you would, there was like four places you could look, and you would have it. And I always like, the, you see you see the people walk away from it and go, Dave, we're on table 16, let's go! Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have to, you didn't have to wait, and yeah, usually you could, that tournament was very, very nice because we knew we everyone knew each other to a degree, right? Yeah. It's a very midwestern tournament. Yeah. So again, uh, please use a computer to keep track of your scoring. Excel oh is Excel is your friend. Uh, Best Excel Coast Pairings is a really good one if that gets when that gets up and running, and if that does, we will definitely um, we'll definitely spend some time on it. An episode coming up if we can get that. I have to check in again with, with uh, Mr. John Russell to see where that is in the works. Yeah. It, unfortunately, it, it's been a work. pain for them for a long yeah. time, but it sounds like it's working again. Okay. I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily work for Snafu, for Operation Snafu either, just from the way it works, because that's very much Swiss pairing. Like I, That was something you didn't mention when you were talking about pairings that maybe people need to understand as a new TO. The most common way of like sorting who plays who is by Swiss pairing, which is... Uh, Winners play winners, losers play losers type right. thing. and it comes from the, the chess world. Yeah, exactly. So if you're unfamiliar, yeah. looking up Swiss pairings will tell you everything you need to know about how you would do that. Very common in a lot of gaming systems, but if you're not familiar with them, that's that's what it is. Um, but we're ta- we were talking more like how, how people need to know who their pairings are and where they are, which is very much a problem day of if you have a little notebook with shit and then everyone's trying to find that little notebook. Right, so or worse yet, coming up and asking you. Oh, yeah, you waste so much time as a TO, I'm sure, if you have to answer that question for 20 players. Yep. So don't nah, do that. Don't, don't do that. Well, yeah, welcome to the modern age. Laptops yeah. have pretty good batteries. Most places can get you an extension cord to keep it powered. 
Yep. You know, even if you're not an Excel guru, at least you know have something electronic. And if you can, if you can swing having a printer on your table, that's great. Uh, multiple places, especially as you start getting above 20, 24 people, not having everyone crowd one area is very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, especially in our day and age. Especially in our post-COVID era. Right. So. So there you go. Yeah. There's some there's some day of uh, scenarios and. Uh, pairings and stuff like that. Now, the other thing you might want to consider, and this uh, I think also mentioned should be in your player pack, if you're going to have any special rules that are aside from just vanilla bolt action, like uh, take our Recon Rumble, for example. It's not vanilla bolt action. We've got some extra stuff in there built in because we wanted to gear it towards, we wanted to gear it towards making transports fun and entertaining to play, and so Jeff and I have come up with some, some rules that we feel do that. And based mm-hmm. on the feedback we've gotten, seems to be working great. So if you're doing something that's not true bolt action, make sure it is in, you want to have that in your advertising as well as your player's pack. So people coming yeah. realize yep. that, okay, it's not straight out of the rule book. Uh, I've got some other things to consider. Also part of that, both uh, player's pack and advertising, you know, we talk about whether you can do theaters, if you're going to allow them, if you're going to do just standard reinforced platoon, and then what books you can allow. Now, this this could pretty be a pretty be a pretty deep rabbit hole. I heard somebody uh, that did a, did a theater theaters allowed. Um, and I think this is when I think this is when we were talking to Bo actually that he had a set theaters that he had selected, and as people signed up, they got to choose which of those pre-approved theaters they could take. Oh, and once they were taken, they were they like were off the table. One, they're one off, off the chart. Yeah, <laughs> like, like a um, draft. A draft. <laughs> it is basically a draft. So whoever signs up first gets their best choice of the theaters. Right. Is kind of what he draft, had said. Yeah. So I mean, that's like hmm, that's actually kind of cool because you a have control over which theaters are going to be allowed. Sorry, CeeLo Heights. <laughs> yeah, and so that you can you can tailor your tournament to how you want it, what units you want to see in there. So. I thought that was really cool, other than just variety of, hey, you know, all theaters are fine from any book you can find. Um, I know I had these as two separate taco- topics, but I kind of feel they're kind of they're kind of linked together. So the biggest con that I see about allowing all theater selectors and all things from all the books is the pressure it puts on the player to have to know about those units are in a campaign book they may not have ever picked up because they weren't interested in it. Yeah, and now they have to know about how that unit acts, what it does, and they have to trust that the player is bringing it is actually remembering it and playing it one hundred percent correct the way it is. So, right. and, I, and I can see why Warlord has gone with their gold standard, and also in terms of WTC has said it's only armies of because most people have those books. To be f- to be fair. Um, to be fair, I'm just I'm just gonna put this out there because I know there's a, a few players out there screaming at the <coughs> radio right now. Um, almost that's I don't know that that's necessarily the largest problem because every unit might have a different composition, but all the weapons are the same, right? Whether this unit gets to take ten assault rifles or one assault rifle, it's still an assault rifle, right? The only time I think this really becomes a problem is when I'm looking at you, British Army list, and you, New Russian Army list from theater books where you start giving units Skaven rules that break the basic <laughs> mechanics of the game. Yeah. And I really yeah. wish they'd stop doing that because all that does is create confusing situations for players. Like, this game works just fine 
The rules in the main book are just fine when applied to units, and interesting mixes of units and equipment lists of units is fine. It's these weird, wonky, well, I want this unit to do something cool in this book, so we're going to do bleh. Arms of, where you, Arms of the Teeth said what? Armed to the Teeth says what? Scary Blighters says what? Well, that's in the base book. Come on. <sighs> yeah, don't defend it, buddy. <laughs> it no, doesn't. I, it doesn't belong there, though. It's um, and it's it's still the, what Jeff is saying still applies. Yeah, it's still a Skaven rule for sure. It's, right. it's yep. probably the the top of the Skaven rules. It's, for those that don't know, is an old game. Skaven had all the weird like there was a set of rules, and then Skaven broke all those rules. You had, we had wondrous Skaven. technology. You had to learn yeah. a whole effing new game when you played against Skaven. Yes. Yes. And no, the worst part was, true. it wasn't just stuff that they were like, oh, they have this special rule that they do good at this thing. It's They have this special rule that screws you over if you don't know it. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Right. What's yeah, that? You shoot a, a cannon lot. at my great bell? Well, that makes it toll, and it destroys half your army. Oh, get the fuck off the table. <laughs> 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 well, that, <laughs> that, that makes sense. No, no, it doesn't. All of our former Warhammer Fantasy Battle guys are just grinning ear to ear right now. <laughs> and and Dale, the being the Skaven player, yes, is the one defending be, it, of course. And Jeff and I being the Empire players that have rung that bell with a cannonball, yes. Yeah. Somehow it doesn't break the bell. It just rings the bell. And you're like, really? Okay. Well, it, it's, it's, if, it's, you, if it rings out 13, that does crack the bell. Yeah, so... God, which is really this? bad for the Skaven, but it's much worse for everyone else. I was just going to say, yeah, it doesn't just kill the Skaven army. It just kills everybody then. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's rules like that that break the base mechanics of the game that bother me. They're, they're, they are my gaming pet peeve. Up and down. No, I, I 100% agree. I think it you can alleviate a lot of that if you require army lists provided to you and there was maybe a better way of doing that where it gave you all the special rules for each unit. Yeah. Well... Like that's not the end of the world then? Because, yeah, in the situation... Sorry, I'm tangenting hard here and I apologize. No, but no like, you're good. But the situation it creates is either A, you know, players are getting surprised because I'm playing a unit out of an obscure, well, somewhat obscure campaign book that they've never heard of, right? And it's sure, got cool but, special rules. Right. Or, TOs are like... Or the other extreme is Warlords like... We've you know kind of got a monster here. We can't balance, so screw it. We're only doing base armies of books and units, and then that doesn't make the other side of the players happy either. Who want to actually no. like, what's the point of all these campaign books if I can't play them in a competitive environment, right? So it's it's it bedevils the fact that you know it just messes things up, and it and then of course the third side is people are like, well, I want some but not all, so I'm going to make a compact, and you can take this unit but not that unit, and. Uh, yeah, this is a strong argument for something that other game systems do, which is like an annual. Yeah, like here's your annual competitive play pack. Here's the scenarios for the year. Here are all the units. Here are all the special special rules for all those units. You know, I, I gladly pay thirty bucks for that once a year. That you know readjusts everything to make sure that it's stays competitive. Right, right, and that's I, I love that. Right, and that's and that's a solution too. Right, yeah. I mean, that's a solution too. It's just I, it's it's very frustrating to me from a gaming perspective. You know, it's just ah, mm-hmm. uh, it really gets my goat. So, no, it makes perfectly good sense. I I have a lot of the same problems. With Which yeah. theater books. So like units being in theater books. Exactly. So circling this back, you have to be very clear about what's allowed and what's not. Right, and that, that should be in your advertising and then reinforced yep. in yep. your up front. pack. 
and then stick to it. Don't start yes. making exceptions for this one yeah, unit that no. probably should be allowed, but eh, technically isn't. You can't make yeah. exceptions. You got to be real hard nosed about that. Maybe not to the point of excluding errata units, but you know you got to be hard nosed about it. <laughs> that's a nice, that's a nice little dig right there. Um, yeah, no, you have to you have to be tough sometimes as a TO. Yep, that's that's absolutely a, necess- a necessity. You can't be quiet all the time. Yeah, but you have to be fair across the board. You have to be fair across yes. the board. I agree, hundred percent. As much as I'd love to see the twin Zook Jeep in, and and I think maybe in some sense, and we might do no. this for Snafu. We might do a, a list. That says, you know, hey, there you go. But you got to make sure everyone knows about it and has ahead of time. Ahead of time, yeah. I think that opens a huge can of worms in our that particular unit you just spoke of. Opens it a does. Really big can of worms in our in our. Is tournament. that worse than allowing the naval observer, uh, the naval artillery observer? Is it everyone can have it now? Yeah, but that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that either. But yeah, my, that that dickhead's at least generic reinforced, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair too. Uh, my problem with the Zook is it's for encouraging he's such people. A huge dickhead. Oh, I completely agree with you. Like that was <laughs> He's gotten way worse, guys. His new rules are pretty bad compared to what they used to be at least. They're a lot worse than they were. Still gross. And he still gets snipered off, so that's good. Um My point about the bazooka though is that, you know, if we're encouraging tank play, then encouraging, you know, really cheap, inexpensive anti tank is never a great It's not that it's good. not that expensive. How many points is it? Uh I think it's the ninety or one oh five mark. Yeah, that's pretty steep for a twin zoo Jeep. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's six plus soft skin. Uh, you make me look it up. Yeah, we're jerks like that. Yeah, I'm like, I want to know now. It is, it is six plus soft skin. Yes. Yeah. yeah so it's not. Uh, yeah, mean, that's. A, a, you know, a, a machine gun can take it off pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't take it off. I'm just. I was. I couldn't remember. Right, if it was not armored. A machine gun. Yeah. Well, a rifle well, can uh, take it off. A rifle can, can take it off. Pistol can take it off. If you have one of those. Sharp stick can take. And you get within six inches of it. Yeah, a pistol can take it off. <laughs> well, if it if it wants to stand and shoot with its twin zooks at my ten man squad, bring it on because they're you know you might right. kill, it's best you're going to kill what one guy. And, I mean, we have somewhat some mitigation in that the players, the teams, kind of set set the match up somewhat. They do. They do. You, you know, I, f- I thought of another solution to the problem that we were talking about with bo- with with weird theater selector books is. Make new army books every couple years. I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone is that upset if they, their their book is obsolete after four years or whatever. Yeah. But I, like, yeah. imagine that all of a sudden all those theater units that they think are appropriate get put in the book, and then an army's up book. One hundred five doesn't feel bad. One hundred five for the twin Zuki. And I completely okay. agree with that, Rick. It's just I think there's this hangover from former Warhammer players. Yeah, who yeah. get their who get their codex re released, you know, every year, and they're like, for God's sakes, make stop. Stop making me buy this. But unfortunately, I think we fall into the other extreme where it's like everything other than the German book is what are we pushing? You're six, seven years old now? Yeah. Well, like, I think people are, I know they're not begging for new books, but if you yeah. give me new, yeah. if you give me new units or put the erratas in the actual army books, like, it yeah. makes them worthwhile. Right. Right? I mean, yeah, I don't, everyone will be chaos for a little bit. But. I, I don't think every five years. Is is unreasonable no. for a new army no. book that I pay twenty dollars for? Every every couple of years, I'm still okay with. I mean, like, it's a small investment in a game right. that you're playing. And no offense, but my fat ass orders a twenty dollar pizza like at least once a month, and I could skip right. that and get a new well, army book. Or or think about it this way too. Like, what size pizza if, do you get? Large, obviously, it's the best deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> biggest biggest pie plate and is the you can, way to you go. You can leave it for Rick for breakfast. Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, see, we're good. We're, we're, we're matching me in heaven. But um, where were we going before that tangent just happened? Releasing the books every so often. Yeah. That book, oh, yeah. book's allowed. What, what you're yeah, allowing. So think, but think about it this way, too. is like, okay, maybe some people... Yeah, like people maybe maybe wouldn't buy as many theater books, or maybe they wouldn't buy that one book that had the one unit that they wanted, which is, which is arguably worse for them, in the, this grand scheme of, you know, Codex creep. If I have to buy a book for one particular unit that I want to use, that's that's way worse than me getting a new Army's book every couple of years. You mean like the Mariana Palau that had the uh, shoulder fired, direct fire medium mortar? Um, that has the Island Assault Squad with two flamethrowers in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's a that's There's a, a fantastic. I mean, that's the unit you'd buy the book for. <laughs> I gave engineering squads to generic reinforced platoons to uh, Japanese, I think, as well. I believe yeah, it did. Yeah. So, yeah. That was yeah, good. Now, book. now you have to show me where it is in the book. I mean, that's like, that's just silly. Like, yeah. it should it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be. I mean, if you wanted to be. But what about the, God help us the Western anything out of the Western desert? Yeah. Right. Well, right. That's well, the problem in itself. Yeah. I mean that. There's. <sighs> It's this weird mix between authors of books are historians and hobbyists, yep, and not necessarily always competitive players, right? Not so, always. Not always. Sometimes, but not always. So you get like just this. There's no command and control, so you get this weird kind of hodgepodge of like. For for the record, the D-Day books were written by somebody who's a competitive player or yeah. co-author. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. but I, but it's it's. I also think this is somewhat of a hangover, not a hangover, but um, a holdover. From, from GW because there were some books that were written not by competitive players. You know? Yep. I mean, right. when Alessio got a hold of some of those books, we ended up with the RAF with Bretonians and some of those lists and the Skaven, and, and then you end up with an Empire book that it's like... <laughs> yeah, except, except he also wrote one of the Empire books, and it was, it was grossly underpowered because it was the first one after the new edition came out. Was it fourth or fifth? Oh, fifth. yeah. I mean, that's... Okay, yeah. That and right. so and so then it's and so we've seen that and we we're also seeing that kind of turn back around with yep. bolt action. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't want to end up like let's I'll mention it. I don't want to end up like 40k where I think they've had six editions of that game in the time we've been playing second edition bolt action. They have. I don't want uh, that. Yeah, they cycle editions. Really if, at least four editions. Right. right. Yeah. I I don't want that. Static tournament terrain. But the, that's awful. But right. That's a different problem. That's not. That's, <laughs> not, that's a whole other that's, problem. Yeah. yeah, that's not. That's not Game Workshop's problem. That's right. another. That's another entity in itself. But the other extreme of that is not updating everything, which is which gets frustrating after you know a while, and it's right. just like it's, when, it's, when we've reached a point where it's kind of a, a cluster flop in the community of what gets in, what gets not. Tournaments yeah. aren't really run the right. same. It's uninspiring. It's, Right. Especially when, especially when they've been pseudo updating, right, with theater books, and some things are allowed in theater books, and then you go to a tournament that's armies of only book, and you're right. like, "Well, wait a minute. Why did I buy I this wanna, theater uh, book? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why do I have 20, 20 other units that I could have taken, but I can't now? Yeah. All good you arguments know, that we've made several episodes. Yeah, for sure. We, this will be a constant issue until they do. Well, we're just being the squeaky things. wheel here, you know. So. Right. Yeah. No. Because I want to get greased, baby. I, I think. <laughs> I think a lot of. A lot of the problems or thoughts around this, the emotions around you know, player you know, like updating books and stuff, is is partly internal. Mm-hmm. So be, us vocalizing that, like, hey, it's okay to update an army book every couple years. It's yeah. okay to like, or you know, just reprint them with the errata stuff. That's sure, even that, whatever. Yeah. 
like but giving that giving them the, the you know, permission so to speak if anyone at Warlord listens we give you permission to let us buy a book every couple years yeah. versus this weird like I don't need I don't need 20 theater books with one unit each in them like I love the idea of theater books with scenarios and like here's your here's your you know army format yeah. but like if those units are in there too great but having them in the main book would be way better if they're appropriate for the main book Yep. So to speak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we gave you we gave you a lot of information about how you want to include stuff into your particular tournament. Yep. Um, but you know what? It's your tournament. It's your choice. And just you get make to pick. sure you get to pick. Just make sure yep. the players know what is going to be included and allowed before they sign up and hand over the money. Yep. And then reinforce that again in the players pack and how their army list has to be composed and turned into you. Yep. Uh, one other thing that, that, that popped into my head when you guys were doing whatever that just was. Um, that thing we do, baby. That thing you do, yes. Right. Uh, when you, you were talked about terrain and the varying that you may not have it, that you can you know community source it, and the tables don't have to be the same. Some tables can be more open than others. Some tables can be uh, more difficult to plan than others, and that's okay to have that variation throughout. Yep. Um, I, I, in fact, encourage it. Yes. yes. It's 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 you know I've I've had tournaments where I've played on tables where just like, dude, this is sweet, this is a lot of fun, and tables are like, I got nowhere to hide, what the hell, right. and yep. all of those offer different levels of randomness to how the players react and how their list reacts in the day of, and that's fine, that's totally yep. fine, yep. So it don't be afraid of that. It encourages good play. Yep. Right. Yeah, because you don't know what your... you don't know what table you're gonna end up on. Right. Well, and being able to make your army do what you want, regardless of, of of terrain, is part of being a good player. So that's something to learn from or do, like learn to play better on an open table versus a closed table. And it penalizes some armies that try and min max stuff, right? So, yep. you know, having having a, kind of a checks and balances against certain types of armies is good, you know. Having a lot of cover but no buildings is really awful against multi-launcher units. So you know it prevents everyone from spamming the shit out of those because every table has six tables or six buildings on it. Yep. Right. right. You know. So things like that. So get terrain. Any any terrain is fine. Then and the tables yep. don't have to be nicely spaced and even, and they don't and it, have to favor one side or the other. Right. And if yep. you need interesting ideas for inexpensive terrain, just post in that Bolt Action Facebook group, and you will be deluged with all kinds of suggestions. Yep. For sure, for stuff that looks oh, for sure that looks okay on a table and is that doesn't cost that much. So uh, post post Christmas clearance sales seem to be very good places to get trees and shit like that. Yep. For my if you want year. snow tables, uh, craft stores always have those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and the, the when you're doing a tournament and you're doing it on a budget, you don't have to worry about having the prettiest terrain in the world. It just has to function. It has to have form Just and function is all to it. Yeah. But for the love of God, Something, do not yeah. have no a candy tables, table. No yeah, please don't. No, 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 no gravy boats. You, no scented you know, anything. If you want to make a candy table, that's great. Just don't make anybody play on it. <laughs> you, you know what? It would have been super clever if it was just a table out there that, yeah, it was just for show. I Having me bend over it and have to, like, 
I'll line up. I like line of sight type <laughs> shit. No, thank Five you. years in, ago? In, in retrospect, yeah. if you'd have thrown up on that table and like it had just slowly melted over the rest of the oh, day. God. Oh, God. <laughs> would have gotten thrown in the garbage right then and there. Ah. Scraped it right into the garbage. Yeah, that would have been funny to watch, though. Yes, it still lives in my head, Pat. It's PTSD. Ouch. Hey, man, I was there, too. It's a nightmare. It was... I wasn't hungover, and it was nauseatingly sweet who smelling. Did, who did we play against on that table? Was that Paul? Was that Paul and John? Uh, I don't. I don't. Honest to God, I don't remember. I was. It's. It's blocked. That part's blocked out of my memory. <laughs> I, I feel like was that the game where we ended up playing against the Ringer, which ended up being Warlord guys. It's possible. I just don't remember. And oh. I can't remember if it was. I know it was John, but I don't remember who the other guy was. Yeah. I thought it was Paul, but I'm not entirely sure who it was. It's possible. But, I just don't remember. Yeah. Oh God, it was. That was something else. Horrible. It's very traumatic still. Not in a good way. <laughs> no, very much not in a good way. No, please don't do anything out that outside of the box. Yeah. Uh, see episode five. One through thirty-seven, probably. Right. I probably spoke about it a lot of times. Uh, yeah. It still uh, lives in my head. Yeah, it, uh, it, yeah. Episode five is the FAQ. Depicon. Lives in my nightmares. It's uh, it's been a while yeah. since we brought it up, though. So I think enough of those guys. Right. Yeah, that I can stop talking. Is that too soon? You weren't there, Dale. You weren't there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Rick, can you show us on the table where it hurts you? I could. Yeah, my nasal cavity. Yeah, nasal cavity. His stomach. I. I I literally saw Rick turn a shade of green. Oh God, it was was bad. bad. Well, we had that big dumpster garbage can right there. So I was. You should just hit him with some null uh, some uh, null oil after that. I should have done highlights. Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) That would gross too. That would have made my day if I got painted in null oil. That will pass. All right, so... If you'd have passed out, you would have gotten a null oil dick on your face. That's just... Whoa. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. All right. Whoa. So we had alluded to uh, how do you get some prize support for your tournaments? Uh, And this is going to be Pat's section because Pat is is, a wizard. This is just Pat talking about this. (laughs) Yes. So uh, the first thing is get as many lines in the water as you can. Any uh, websites that you're used to going to when you do your own shopping, find that contact us and give them as much information as you can. Say, hey, you know, I'm looking if you'd be interested to give us prize support. Say the name of your event, who you are, your contact information, what the event type is. Let them know that it's a tabletop strategy game for World War II present, uh, done by Warlord Games. Uh, let them know the date of it, how many p- uh, players you're anticipating. If you happen to have a website, they, some of them like that, uh, and then what you plan on using their prize support for. And I keep a spreadsheet on this for the, the dates of all the people I contact, and of course I've got some pretty good ones by now. Um, and if they don't respond within a month or 90 days, so you need to start this you know, probably six months out, uh, follow up again and go, hey, you know, I had contacted you so-and-so, and you, you can... You can literally type this out in a Word doc or whatever, and you can copy and paste it and send it to as many people that have a contact us on their website. Literally, when the first time I did this, it must have been at least two dozen different websites to get six to eight responses. Now, and you're talking like template makers, train makers. You're talking all yep, these, all these people, all, these all the people things. that make stuff for our game, and even yeah. you know indirectly. Um, and I'll get to some of the, some really good ones uh, towards the end of this, um, yeah. and and follow up with them and let them know you know who you are, what you're trying to do, 
Uh, most importantly, let them know how you're going to thank them. I mean, we obviously have a podcast that we can use their name and get some name brand recognition. Let them know if you you know get their logo from them and put it in the player pack, put it in the tournament pack, uh, put it on, on, on the, the cover sheet. Yeah, cover on the cover. You know, yeah. Let, uh, one, I was gonna, I was gonna say there's one thing that maybe to caveat this with is maybe if you're gonna have a local store game day whatever tournament at a at a particular store maybe don't reach out to the other stores to sponsor it that's a little bit maybe a little unkosher yeah don't cross like, the strings yeah yes. and most most places don't like doing that you know so you know in some some areas they maybe do it maybe is okay but you know just be considerate of you know, having a tournament at store A sponsored by store B. Um, yeah, that's not doesn't cool, always man. look super great. Yeah, it's just something to, to keep in mind is just you don't want to piss off your stores. Either one in that case. Yeah. Don't burn any bridges you don't have to. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, now, to the, but back to that point for one second, sorry. But it is okay if you have an event outside of a, of a store to, get multiple to ask multiple stores to support you. Yep. That's okay. Like that's that's a different ball of wax. You don't have to be sponsored by one store. You can have all the stores sponsor you if they'd like to. Yep. And uh, you probably shouldn't. You should. You probably shouldn't pry on them to try and get them to support if someone else is supporting you. Nah, don't do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, literally, uh, and and talk to your friends. Find out where they're buying from. They do trench works. Mm-hmm. Do they do uh, Sherwood Games? Do they do they go to War Game Atlanta? You know, all these people that supply this World War Two stuff. Are probably fine having their name affiliated with it, and you know, we'll probably give you some support if you just you know, they they want to know. The big thing they always want to know is how many people are you expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously the more is the more that. you know. And if they aren't uh, willing to give you physical prize support, ask them if they'd also be interested in maybe giving a discount code that could be used for the players that they can use right. on their website. You know, hey, I was at this this you know, and they'll tell you this code will be active the date of your events up to two weeks after it. Generally, or how something along those lines. Something yeah. like that. Yep. Usually, how they yeah. go. Uh, and some of the, uh, some I'll, I'll give you some my big my big tips here. The the best great sponsors that I've had that have always come through for us, Warlord Games. They'll support you in, in capacity. They have these packs that are set up. Again, talk to John Russell, Paul Walker. You know, and and they will support you in some capacity. They got vouchers for things. They got. The gold order, the gold, silver, bronze order dice that are out there. They you will even give you certificates that you can write the winner's name on day of and have something to hand them, so you don't feel like you have to go out and buy plaques for everybody. They'll also give you you know some other trinkets. I think the one that's out of print now that you can still get is the the goofy inflatable bullet. <laughs> I think they still have a couple of them, but they are out of print now. Those sometimes end up in there. Um, Osprey, who's the publisher for Bolt Action. Uh, you reach out to them; they they will generally give you a hundred and some dollars in books, and yeah, super cool. They're cool, and you'll see they'll go after all the miniatures do. But they're the the ones that go to are usually the people that are more interested in kind of getting some more in depth history on it, or want to. They're, they're the they're the seam sniffers. Seam sniffers. Oh God! <laughs> Exhaust huffers. <laughs> Exhaust huffers. Whatever. Or the ones that want to learn how to read those goofy <laughs> battle maps that show up in all the the campaign books. Yeah, what Osprey will often send you is Frostgrave stuff. No. no, just that one time. No. Never mind. That was the one time. That was that was a new rep. And, yeah. And then, oh, that's what it was. And I, 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 I contacted, contacted them again, and they sent out bolt action stuff and let me keep yeah. the frostgrave stuff. So World War Two stuff, which is what's cool, is like right. they don't just send out like warlord stuff. They'll send you, you know, 
German uniforms in the summer of 70-whatever. Well, there's the whole, the whole Osprey you know. series of the World War II, yeah. Yeah. and they will often yeah. include some of the actual Warlord campaign books as well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so. it's, it's cool to get some other books. As long as you tell Osprey, if they ever want to just give us like a fold-out map of like campaigns, that'd be cool. Ooh, that would be cool. Like I've maps. got lots of space on my walls. So. That's what I'm talking about, right? We then you want maps. them fold out, though. You want them rolled out. Well, I, I, I got that old centerfold addiction. So, like, if you pull out yes, Normandy right. on a centerfold, I'm, I'm all Ooh, about that. You're good. Yes, that's a that's a different. Yeah, that's a different, that's podcast. A different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's you owe me a coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here in the states, uh, miniature market. Uh, yep. Get to them very early. Now, I'm not They're talking, a little slow to react. No, uh, they. They have a process. They they, oh, okay. they they set out some hoops. Um, you jump through, but they will generally give you some interesting stuff for miniature market. Um, Army painters also the same thing. They set up hoops, but they'll give you some painting stuff. Um, who's really great at doing stuff is Rubicon. Yeah, okay. Rubicon will always send out three or four kits, which are pretty valuable. They're yeah. Very Dude, Rub- Rubicon's price, kits but they're very rule. good. Yeah, I love Rubicon's. They are the best kits by a lot. But yeah. um, some other things you can do, uh, you know, check out. Like, I think I mentioned this, but you know, ask where your your friends and other players are buying from. Reach out to them too if you haven't thought of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt you to you know copy and paste your letter you wrote up to hit contact us on that and send it to them. Yeah, but keep track of that somewhere so that you're not resending to the same Spam- place over spamming, spamming them, them and they, yeah. they'll probably sour on you pretty quick. Like we saw your email yesterday, dude. We haven't responded, but quit sending it every right. day. Especially when you copy and paste it, because right. that looks really bad. Um, when you attend events, keep that cover sheet that they put the sponsors on. These people are willing to give out price support. Contact them. Yeah. So there you go. There, there's the there's the tricks of the trade for getting price support. And I think uh, generally for Snafu, I end up getting you know nearly two grand or pl- or more in prize support from other places. It's crazy. So. It is awesome. It definitely helps that we're also supporting a charity, and that all that stuff is directly yep. impacting our charity uh, funds. Um, and that's why I say let helps. them know what you're going to use the prize support yeah. for. Yeah, I mean we're like we're supporting toy for we're you know giving toys to underprivileged children. You know this is directly this is a raffle for all of that. Yeah, that's that's very easy to to persuade someone to give us stuff and obviously we have a slightly different venue for rewarding sponsors than everyone else might so yeah results may Uh, vary so another thing to consider that is kind of related to prizes that a lot of tournaments do um, and something to consider is like a trinket for your from your event something like a template or a measuring tool or a dice or a cup the swag swag whatever the swag we all get yeah, sometimes yeah, and sometimes like Warlord will send you boxes of sprues that you can hand out as swag as well, or like, you know, being able to give something to everyone is kind of fun sometimes. Um, don't break the bank over it, right? Don't right. don't spend all your funds on that. But something to consider is like maybe you know maybe, maybe getting something like that. And, um, and if, there are companies out there that do that. Yeah, and if uh, a couple of them off the top of my head, uh, if you're looking for some some templates, some tokens, stuff like that, you know, Rick mentioned GC Minis earlier. Uh, yep. Litco is also really good. Kenneth Litco is the is the guy. It's a very small company. I think he only has like two or three employees. Maybe, oh, maybe he does more. a lot. He does a lot of work for that little bit he, of people. He does yeah. a lot. I mean, um, yeah, pump it out. And his his response turnaround time is really quick. Uh, every time I've sent him a query, with by the next day he's already responded with a quote. Right. So yeah. So like if you look at Litco's site, there's yeah, they're both they're both great in that regard. 
but if you like look at their website they have templates and stuff i you know you had you had measuring uh widgets created for theaters of war that were you know like pre-measure six inches essentially yep. um stuff like that is it's you know it's it's nice to have it's not a necessity but you know it's something you consider you can order you can order like 200 chessic dice for like 40 or 50 bucks um you know and well, that is quite a bit. It's not that bad in the long run, and that's also something you probably need to get a lot of head, head, uh, a lot of time in front of your event for. But you know, things like that are cool to have and make everyone feel like they're you know that you value them. Mm-hmm. And if you do right. something like that, yeah. put the put at least a year on it. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, we give out snafu dice, but those are timeless. That they are. Yeah, yeah, and they're hard to get. We don't give we don't give them out willy nilly style. Oh, I'm not supposed to do that? I mean, if you do, you... No, no. Yeah. We give them out you, Millie Vanilli style. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> which means we don't actually give them anything. Does it... Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> we, no, we, we let them look at them, and then we take them we back. we give them to you as rewards, but when you're not paying attention, we take them away from you. <laughs> That's what that means? That's what lip-syncing means? <laughs> That's as close to an equivalent as we can make at this they hour. They Grammy <laughs> for Best New Artist. That it, it didn't get it didn't get taken away. Well, that's what that's why we take the dice away. Well, it doesn't say oh. best new singer; it says best new artist. I mean, they're still arguably artists. I agree. Um, Lip syncing is not easy, especially if you can do it so well that you can that you uh, fool other the, people. That's pretty yeah, good. That you're you're a national act that's been in, yeah. playing in stadiums. Yeah, yeah. I'll just blame it on the rain. Work cheese. Wow. Okay. I still, I still think that's a great song. It is a good song. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to some of that old stuff, man. It's hilarious. It's it's. I'll 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 wait until I hear it on Hurdle. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'll pass. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty encompassing. Look at what it is to be a TO. Feel like that's pretty good. It feels pretty good to. And honestly, uh, for me personally, I I do enjoy the organization and the setting up spreadsheets and stuff like that. So I mean, it, it takes a certain kind of person to be doing that. Yeah, but the players in the community will appreciate you and will support you by showing those, up to your events. Those that do it long lasting or have done it for more than a bit of time tend to be, like you said, are, are appreciate organizing and doing things like that. Um, that being said, like there's a lot of things in there, and if you want to do a ten man or the, you know a smaller tournament. Do as much or as little as you can, and just don't sweat it, and be you know. Do you know? I wouldn't say don't do it if you can't follow everything we just told you. You should still do a tournament. Yeah. But you know, this is good guidelines and you know guardrails. But do your best. You know, do your best as you can. You, nobody's going to be upset if you you know if you have a ten man tournament, you charge ten bucks, and you don't give very good price support. You know, but you, at least you got ten guys playing at the same time. Yep. In a place, it's still it's still good for everyone. Like it's good for the it's good for the hobby. As long as nobody's physically assaulting anyone else or stealing their shit. <laughs> but you've got some guidelines that you can. But you have guidelines if you need to do <laughs> <follow> that. <back. laughs> and, um, and if you but, have a question yeah. or anything, and you you want some some help from us, feel free to reach out. I'll be more than yeah. happy to you know give your players pack a once over and offer some suggestions or say hey it looks good or you know any questions at all. Yeah, reach out. I'll be more than happy to answer some of that stuff. Just don't do it all yeah. at once. Yeah. Right. And don't do it like the day before. Yes, do it you while know, you're still f- thinking about it before you yeah. before you've sent out your uh, your your um what's the your, your sales blurb? You know, here's the tournament. Yeah, your marketing pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do, make sure. You, yeah, make sure. 
give us time too. Normally we respond to stuff pretty quickly, but if there's not if there's not a chance for us to help you react to it, then then there's not there's very little point in sending it to us. Depends how deep our rules discussion forum has gotten. Yeah, maybe don't do it in our. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to do it. I was like, maybe Facebook. If you, you know, reach out to us however you feel comfortable. We'll f- we'll help you as best we can in whatever channel you get to us in. We're all monitoring everything at some level at some point. So, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I don't think I don't think we're not looking at something every day. So. Yeah, unless we've got except for when we're all in Ireland. About, so. uh, there's no email address anymore. Yeah. There, uh, there, and, there will be, and I don't know that I'm ready to reveal. Yeah, that let's not yet. go there yet. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, like you said, reach out to us if you have anything. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for all those people that have helped us in the past doing this. You know, this isn't something that we all just figured out on our own. You know, there's a lot of shoulders we're standing on doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all went to a lot of tournaments. We had a lot of opportunity to learn from others. I think that's important. Like. Always keep in your mind something that you saw at a tournament. And you're like, oh, that would have been really good to have at a tournament. Or this you know? was really good at this tournament. <coughs> or this was really good at, yeah, yeah. Right, like Pat's little whiteboard thing, like I thought wasn't going to be cool. It's super handy and super great for a very quick, down and dirty way of getting pairings up. At yep. least three um, people have asked me for links to that, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's it's very it's very uh, inspiring yeah. for that kind of stuff. And especially for t- small tournaments, it's perfect. It's like it works great, so. Yeah, it, it, um, it actually ended up being perfect snafu because I could just hand everybody their name and, and they, they put could, it on a board they put it on the board at the table yep, they want yep. to play on and yeah it's amazing how it worked even better for that mm-hmm. but uh, you know just something to keep in mind don't don't look at a tournament and not see something good about it so it's something you take away and do in your own tournaments because definitely everything that we do in ours is probably a result of some other tournament that we were at yep I th- I th- other than some of the crazy shenanigans we pulled maybe not. I think the other good thing or the last thing that I would add the only thing I'm going to add because I haven't said anything else <laughs> Is um, <laughs> um, being you said plenty. Being a TO, um, when you're done at the end of your tournament, be sure to tell the players that are there about the other tournaments that are coming up. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, cross cross seed, cross Germany, all of that stuff. Cross cross pollinate. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's pollinating. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that's a big because sometimes you might get a new player who's like, you know what, I had a lot of fun. I'd maybe like to do a tournament again. And then you can, yeah. they can immediately find out, oh, well, here are the next ones in the next three months or something. So. Yep. Yeah. Don't don't look at other TOs as comp- competition. Right. For the most part, they aren't, right? You don't want, you don't necessarily need to worry about them being competition. Yeah, don't schedule. They're not going to have. Yeah, also, don't schedule a tournament on the same day that there's another tournament on the other side of town. Right. And if yes. you do, don't be pissed if no one shows up. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't be upset if but no one shows up. Those, are, those are obvious things, I mean, scheduling is uh, scheduling is something we didn't necessarily talk a lot about, but well, I, I think I said the first thing is to make sure pick a date you're available. Right. Yeah, and well, and that is not having a competitive competing event somewhere nearby. Yeah, yeah, that's the other challenge. Don't don't schedule your tournament Acon weekend and expect people to show up. Well, I mean, if you're not near Chicago, fine. But yeah, f- uh, fair. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Just don't but expect a, a 36 man turnout. No, because ten of our guys, ten of any. Place will probably be at Adepticon if they yep. Yep. want to play in a competitive tournament. Um, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we've left you with plenty of things to think about as far as TOing. Uh, we're going to get so many questions on this. That's Yeah, probably. But that's okay. Uh, I Like we said, starting a tournament in your area, if that's something that you're interested in, reach out to us, but also don't be afraid to do it. Like yep. You should just do it. Yep. You'll learn from it, and you'll, you'll make a better one the next and time. And it's a great so. way to build community. 
Absolutely. I've, I, any any place that has tournaments regularly definitely has more players overall. Yep. Right? Just easy enough. All right, Pat, you got anything else? Or just lead us out of this thing? I do, but we'll save that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> tournament, tournament, T.O. Part 2. Damn it, there'll be, a, yes, there'll be an episode 72. Rick has already recorded it. So. Yeah, I mean, we've already recorded <laughs> half of it. Was, so. it, was it any good, Rick? Uh, is it ever? Uh, I, 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 I do know that, that there, there will be some tournaments coming up in the region here in the summer. There'll at least be two. So one will be done by me, one will be done by someone else. So, Oh, interesting. Coming okay. up, but we don't have any firm dates on that, so we're not getting too excited. Well, now I'm all excited, and then you tell me I can't be firm. Come on, man. Jesus. All right, that's a way, good way to end this episode. Yes! Everyone, have a great evening. Pat, get us out of here. This is Snafu. Over and out. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.
cuddling soon. La da 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 da. By the silver rainbow. Someone, someone made the uh, what do you want to call it? An illustration of Facebook is like opening the fridge over and over and over again looking inside it and not finding anything you want but eventually you'll start consuming the shit inside it if that makes sense like it does I'm glad we kept that on tape yeah <laughs> existential crisis at the beginning of an episode <laughs> why not yeah sure it's not funny it's just scary I'm sure most of our listeners can relate directly probably <laughs> they keep listening waiting for something I keep looking just at our waiting for something <laughs> Just opening, <laughs> opening the snafu fridge and realizing it's just nothing but shit inside there. Sounds great. Yeah.